It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. You found us once again for another lacrosse classified. This is EP 169, and it's a jam-packed one. Welcome, uh, Jake Elliott here, along with Brad Challoner, of course. And Brad, just got some yahoos honking down Wilson Avenue here. I don't know if they're protesters or what. Are they in trucks? I don't know. Yeah, this... I gotta, I gotta mention this. Not that I want to get all political here, but you know, I'm all for a good protest. Believe, you know, if you got some things you need to get off your chest, but when you start desecrating Terry Fox monuments and urinating on war memorials and throwing the Confederate flag around, like it just brings out the scummiest element of human being that there is. These protests and. I know there's a lot of people out there trying to do some good and and what they believe in, but God, is there just some absolute filthy animals out there that just have no sense of what is right and what is wrong. Welcome to Lax Class. How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good. My my in-laws live in, are from, or my wife's from Thunder Bay. My in-laws live in Thunder Bay. And that's where Terry Fox, um, Marathon of Hope, ended like that's when his cancer got really bad and he couldn't go yeah well i'm in poco brad where the guy Terry fox secondary where he warmed up for the run where he practiced yeah so i think very special to both of our hearts so i was pretty disgusted when i uh when i saw some of that too but yeah here we are welcome to last class it's a beautiful day i know on the west coast man like we've got two bc boys coming up on the show Day. This may be the most talent as guests we've ever had. <laughs> careful now. Give away right now. No, seriously, we got. Wow, well, we've had some double Hall of Famers on here, this Brad. good. Yeah, no. It's have we good. had two Hall of Famers on this current show? Current, yeah, yeah. I think we have. Think we have. Like Robert Church and Josh Burn, two of the best offensive weapons on the planet. Both yeah. had monster weekends with winning, uh, pushing their teams to victory. It's a pretty talented. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. Like, these guys are absolute studs, and we're happy to have them on. Robert Church coming up in quarter three. Joshua Byrne in quarter number two. Quarter four, we got uh, who you got, of course, in lax class locks. Uh, We all came up a little short in our parlays this week, but Evan, because he didn't get to to have his boosted the prior week, we'll we'll get a boosted parlay for you in cool bet lax class locks coming up in quarter four. And, uh... Who we had the week that was in our Stampede Stallions coming up here in quarter number one. You mentioned beautiful day here, Brad. I'm out for a round of disc golf when we're done recording here. I got a spin in early this morning. I'm fired up for lax class today. How was uh how was your weekend? That a boy. You know, I'm feeling I'm feeling good too. So it, it was lacrosse heavy on Saturday. So I had to sort of clear the schedule out and cram games as I could. Then there was the streaming issues that, that TSN ESPN had on Saturday night. So I tried watch those games on archive, like late Saturday and then a couple early Sunday, but I got out for a run at 7am on Sunday morning. And I swear to God, man, like Ladner was literally asleep. I saw one other human being 
in like the 40 minutes that I was out there. Wow. One human. And I ran like all through town and around the neighborhoods, down by the water. And 40 minutes. It was just, it was nice morning to get out there nice and still. And then soccer practice. And usually I'm hung over at soccer <laughs> practice, but I had, I had a nice run in before and I was feeling good. And it started raining. The girls Fred. kicked some ass. And then hung over got, Brad um, Challenger's like oh, the anti Ted Lasso all hung out at the <laughs> soccer. What are we practice. doing? What are we doing? What are we doing this morning, girls? Yeah, yeah. Everybody, keep your masks on. I'll keep my mask on so no one smells my breath. But no, I was feeling fresh this weekend. It's 9 a.m. Sunday morning and usually in the rain. Like, that's what yeah. that's what soccer does. Well, it's getting that, nicer that was really, out. It's getting that's what it was like when out. I was playing field growing up. Like, it was just, sometimes it's just, that's what it's about, though. I try to teach those girls a little bit of adversity. It's good to get out there in the rain. And the more you move your feet, the more you run around, the warmer you're going to be. So don't stand there getting wet. Let's go. Let's move. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then Sunday, because we uh, TSN game of the week coming up um, this Saturday, Vancouver Warriors, Panther City Lacrosse Club, and wanted to do a little uh, shirt and tie shopping. So I drove to Oak Ridge Mall in Vancouver. I don't know if you know this, Jumbo, but no one told me Oak Ridge is shut down. They're redeveloping it. They're reselling it. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm I'm a huge mall guy, so I would know that as well. Yeah, no. Well, Oak Ridge used to be like the fancy mall they had it like their bay there's a little bit higher end so you can get nicer clothes and suit jackets and stuff so i'm I'm going to the oak ridge also information i would have no idea about but okay a little bit more uh a little bit more to offer than say the the langley bay (laughs) willowbrook uh, willowbrook see i know that mall anyways enough about most enough about most can we by the way can we just tell jenner just to stay home this weekend i got it like i'll just i got it don't wait the you don't need to take a ferry and stay in a hotel and all that sort of stuff. It is, Brad, I've done one game this year, the entire season. I'm going bonkers. Here we are entering week 10. Oh I know my it's God. It's tough. I feel like it's, it's been not a long right. time for, for Ted and I too. It's been since December, December 17th was our last TSN Western crew broadcast. That's so yeah, wild. we've got the group chat fired up. We're fired up to get back out inside Rogers arena. All right. This weekend with two teams that uh, desperately need to get in the win column because both did not have great showings on on Saturday, which we are about to talk about it all right here. But let's uh, start with the opening game of the week. It was the TSN game of the week in an empty building there in Hamilton. Again, kudos to Jamie Dowick soaking this to, to get it done and his rock get it done over the Nighthawks who are reeling now i would say brad 12 8 the final in this one and uh old captain america goes off for six rosie looking more like rosie and usual suspects chipping in here a solid effort for toronto top to bottom here they they win this one 12 8 yeah a good look for toronto we we've both been i think high on the rock i know they've had their ups and downs this season but they haven't had a consistent lineup so good luck finding success when schreiber's been out and hellier's been out and dawson's been out like one of their big guns is out seemingly every week and this week it was who noble and latrell harris were both not in that game and nice to see nick rose have a have a big bounce back that was a good win for toronto sort of a get right game um outside of a playoff spot in the east right now they would get the crossover if the playoffs happen tomorrow but this team is a solid across in its winning games and it's still on the outside looking in when Buffalo and Halifax and Philly are still uh and Albany. Well, now that's standing, it. Like, standing I on think top of them, right? Between those five and and I don't 
quite think Georgia's ready to go away anywhere quite yet either. But you think about it, Buffalo, Halifax, you think, are, are going to get there. Then you come down between Philly, Albany, Toronto. Two out of those teams are going to make it. One might not. And then Georgia nipping at the heels right there as well. So going to be an absolute battle in the East. And as I'm talking here, Brad, I'm realizing that you should be driving the proverbial bus for, for who we had here. Yeah, I like to keep the train on the tracks when we're doing big games here. So, yeah, you can th- throw it back over. Uh, one thing of note about you mentioned Toronto playing in front of the no fans there. Mm. Um, the Halifax Thunderbirds announced after our, we recorded last week that right. the two games that they're missing in February are going to be pushed to Hamilton and played in front of no fans. And I think I think that's the right call. I think lacrosse got to play. You got to play. You got to play. You don't want to backload the no, back half just of your schedule. You're playing back to backs in April. You're going to punish yourself, and you're punishing the fans right now and the fan base by not playing. Yes, it's going to hurt the bottom line. And we talked about this. I, I think Kurt Styers and and Jamie Dawick can do this. I don't know if the Warriors and the Roughnecks and and the Mammoth and the teams that are owned by NHL teams and big billion dollar corporations can um, can can do this, but. They can afford to take the loss right now for the greater good. And I think the Thunderbirds fans need to see the Thunderbirds playing rather than postponing and potentially hurting yourself down the road. I agree. This is what, this is where I get confused though, Brad. Like, I don't know if you watched over the weekend. I'm not a massive soccer guy, but when it means something for, for the country, I'm, I'm tuned in. And this men's team has absolutely captivated my attention, but there they are in Hamilton where Jamie Dowick and the Toronto Rock are not allowed to have a single fan in their building, but yet outdoors, they said it was 12,000, Brad. It looked more like 20 to 25 to me. They're in Hamilton. They beat the USA 2-0. Way to go, Canada. They're almost in the World Cup, which is just unbelievable. But but still indoor events of any size are are being shut down. You know, you can go to the bar, but you can't go to the gym. And I just like, I, I I don't get how they make these things up from city to province to cut. Like, Hey, you look at Kansas city chiefs game. There's 120 K like, Oh, there's, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But anyways, let's get back on the track. You can go to Buffalo. You can drive. What is it? I don't know how long it is. Uh, Across an imaginary line. It's very close. It's cross an imaginary line and everything's fine in, in bandit land. Um, Wings go down to Georgia and get another one goal victory. Another overtime victory against Georgia. The wings just want to make every game a fight right down to the end. And some of them they've come up. Some of them they have not. This team plays in a lot of one goal games though. And they skirt one by Brett Hickey in OT. Yeah. Seven. They, they the were down 6-2 at halftime and just like asleep at the wheel. But again, this is what we saw. And it's not like they erupted in, in the second half or anything. They put up five goals, but Georgia's offense went completely dry, scoring one goal in the entire second half. And you're never going to win a game doing that. But these slow starts for Philly have to be concerning. But I think what it... I want to hear these halftime speeches from Coach Day that absolutely seem to just trigger the entire team. Can that up and deliver that pregame instead of halftime, and we might have something there in Philadelphia. 
Well, they've been very they've been very streaky on offense, and you heard Kevin Crowley kind of alluded to it to to Devin Caney, I think it was in a game a couple of weeks ago when coming back from half. Like they, they know how good they are, they just need to do it, and their offense is so loaded and so deep, and maybe sometimes a little too mm. too fancy or a little bit too unselfish instead of just going out there and and playing lacrosse like like say the Buffalo Bandits and the New York Riptide are doing. They have just as much firepower, in my opinion, do the Philadelphia Wings, proven veterans different type of dynamic players two-man guys shooters crease guys they have everything on that offense it's just sometimes it's maybe it's pass first and it's just a little too unselfish to to shoot like it was a low shooting game Poulin and Higgy both looked pretty yeah. good yeah, Poulin's back. Um, Poulin's back. the wings just I don't know if it's because their offense is a little like maybe it's too old that oh you know what I mean like everyone is 30 plus on that offense and maybe there just needs to be a little bit more youth in that O to keep the energy and the tempo going. Yeah, there's confidence and miles and experience, but where's where's the motor in that offense? Where's the heartbeat of that offense? Yeah, I I think I think it's Crowley. I think Crowley's the guy that that makes it go there, right? And Hickey has figured it out. Benny still doing it. He had three and and maybe his best game as a wing, I would say and the the relationship there with Rambo and Reardon, the way they play together, I mean that's that's a solid two man game, and and I don't think either was particularly outstanding. And and Georgia getting in these low scoring games, I think, is more what they're looking for, and that's a tough tough way to lose a game. You're up six two, and then it gets to overtime. You're on your home floor, and you, and you know a bad taste in your mouth there against the Wings, and they could have push themselves in the right direction there with that win. And they just couldn't get it done. And I think that's a really disappointing loss for that swarm franchise. Two and four. Now the Georgia swarm Philadelphia wings, five and three. We've talked a lot about their big swing game, busy, there, right? Like that was a big yeah. swing game and their big schedule. Like if you look at, it's a little deceiving to look at the leading point scores in the national lacrosse leagues, a bunch of them are Philly wings, but a bunch of them have three or four games over everybody else sort of in the top 10, top 20, Last of Wings have just played so many games, yeah, and I don't weird. think they've had any really, really postponements. I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty chunky though, and pretty clunky the rest of the way with all the bye weeks that they're going to have coming up. Let's see how that how that affects chunky this team. And um, chunky and clunky, chunky and clunky. Another <laughs> another low scoring game. Yeah, well, I, yeah, a lot I think of well, let's went, remember, Brad. All the over unders on Coolbet went like skyrocketing to what, 23, 22 and a half, 23 and a half. A lot of unders this uh, past week. And this was another one. A lot of unders for sure. But this was, this is a pretty good game. Albany Firewolves continue to slug it out. And mm. you and I spent some time last week talking about how this is probably how they're going to win games. They've hit double digits jumbo once this season. They've scored 10 once and that's it. Every other really? game. They have not even hit double nugget. digits yet. Nugget. They've got three wins and they've won three in a row. And they're probably one of the hottest teams in the national lacrosse league right now. Dougie Jameson comes out and has another monster performance with 52 saves. And that one six goals against like he was getting some rubber and still looking good. Like no one had a hat trick for the, for the, for the Albany Firewolves either. Like they get seven different goal scores. The only guy with two goals is Charlie kitchen, the rookie and they just sort of spread it around and they got one out again as they stifled 
Halifax, who's been everybody's talk of the league up until this game, yeah, and know. they were they were shut down. I don't know where Halifax was this game. They just they were flat. They never got themselves into it. And one goal in in the first half, and five in the in the second half. Like I never saw that coming from Halifax. They just looked really really flat, and and maybe just chalked that thing up to a just a stinker, which you're gonna have throughout. A season like there's going to be one or two of those in there but I go back to to the guy between the pipes and Doug Jamison who like when this kid is is on his game you don't need to get to 10 right no it's they're winning games like Colorado and we'll talk about Colorado in a minute but Colorado over the years was like hold the opponent to less than 10 and you're probably winning yeah that's what Albany is that's what they are this year and and like total Team effort, top to bottom. You said it well spread out. Everybody chipping in, contributing in one fashion or another. And they just grind this thing out. And that, that's yeah. that's the way Albany's going to do it. And for Halifax, they, they didn't travel well in their first season. They won the majority of their vast majority of their games at home at the Nest, which is becoming a very tough place to play. Without being able to play there this season, except for the, those first two games, what's going to happen with with Albany or sorry, Halifax on the road. They got to figure it out at Hamilton. And yeah, try to now they're, back. now they're playing home games, not at home. So what's exactly. that going to be so, like? Yeah. Exactly. And one other special note about this game that I wanted to throw in there was um, Warren Hill and Dougie Jamison, like the two goaltenders for the Iroquois national teams, the two best Iroquois goaltenders in the world right now, going head to head in a game as starters in the national lacrosse league, something we haven't seen a ton of over the years, but something super special that I think fans were uh, the game were, were treated to on Saturday. Yeah. Nice uh, piece done up by, by the NLL for Kurt Styers, the owner of, of Halifax, of course, uh, the passing of his mother, Vera, who, you know, I had a chance to send Kurt a, a text with my condolences, but I'd, I'd like to do it here on lax class as well. And, um, I think, you know, I I don't know if that impacted the, the team. I would think it would have to in some regard or another, Brad. And I'm sure there was probably a rallying cry and it maybe just went the other way on them. But um, my my condolences to the entire Styers family and, and Thunderbirds family on, on the passing of Vera Styers. Heavy hearts for sure. And lacrosse is medicine. So I'm sure they played in her honor this weekend. And we'll continue to do that for the majority of the rest of this national cross league season. It's Sask a, is back. Yeah, yes. Well, Sask got right. Yeah. Sask got right. Yeah. We're going to talk a lot about this uh, game with, with our, our guest Robert church. So I don't know if we need to, or want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but convincing win tip to tail here for, for the home team who get off the schneid a little bit, 16, seven, the final in this one. And just, you know, good production in every quarter here and, and a convincing win, uh, lots of guys having big nights here, stat-wise, and Adam shoots solid as he's been all season. Yeah, kind of just what the doctor ordered, I think, for Saskatchewan with a time with a chance to to get right and you know, sort of pick on an expansion team that hasn't necessarily played like an expansion nope. team, but the rush had some fun at Saskatchewan. The they hadn't night. really uh, played uh, like a championship team. And, and, you know, that was kind of the difference for Saskatchewan and they finally, no, played. and that might be exactly what they, what they needed by having a big stat night by Shatler getting four and Churchy getting a hat trick again. I think he's got a hat trick in almost every game this four and season. Six, yeah. Four and six. And no, no Josh Courier in this one, their offense mm. looked like it was flowing 
a bit better. So I'd be curious to see what becomes of, Co- of, of Courier, who's moved to the COVID list before this game. But listening to to Bubba's comments on on Saska's Twitter on their their post game comments, like he kind of liked, he liked the way his offense looked. Murphy so, one and two. Murphy and, totally and a couple Messenger in a second too. But you had Messenger thinking he's challenging Rogers out there and playing out the offensive wow. gate, which he didn't score. But like we'll and we'll you'll hear from Robert Church in a second. But he could have driven a jeep around the offensive <laughs> zone when Mess was setting up there. Well, what are you doing? And clearing race. Messenger- you can't do anything. <laughs> Coming to set a pick on you can't you can't do <laughs> don't hurt me do don't hurt me they got like uh, uh, honestly so but this is it I think that one that was two, a, it, that was an it, yeah that was an it was that was a nice move on their part by giving that guy more minutes their defense is you know they could have him doing he's yeah he's a phenomenal defender but you've also got some of the world's best defenders who I think Dilks and Rubish probably played their best game Beers is playing really well Corbeil like all the veterans are kind of finding their stride right now. So you can have mess taking face-offs and playing some offense when you've got that safety net behind. Yeah, you. absolutely. And they like, they get two and two out of Lintner one and two out of Murphy. Like this is what this team needs out of those. They don't need much, but they need something. And both those guys delivered Mallory, I think was playing on the back end in that game as well. Uh, and of course, uh, got to get this in Gunner, uh, Jeremy Thompson making his return to Saskatchewan. Nice tribute video done up there by the Russia organization for JT. And I know that was a, a big night for him going back to Saskatchewan where, you know, if you don't know, Jeremy Thompson in player introductions would get by far the loudest and biggest cheer when, when he was introduced. So an absolute fan favorite there in, in the tune. And I know he was uh, pretty nervous and excited about going back into Sask and uh, JT did his thing for Panther city that evening. I was, I, I, I was shocked how many Jeremy Thompson jerseys there still were in the crowd oh, yeah, man. on that game. There were people holding signs saying, Jerry, you're wearing the wrong colors. And <laughs> even the feature that they did showed, how much he did off the floor in that community. Oh, I think God. that's why he's right. built that sort of ambassador role that I think Jeff Shatler's kind of taken on now and will take on after his career is done after this season. Yeah. Um, he's sort of waving that flag. And now I think Shatz is probably the fan favorite, especially when he's scoring four goals a night. Yeah. Well, I know Jeremy, I don't know how many it was. It's on his Instagram, but he's, he's visited like almost 80% of the reservations in throughout the province and plans to, to go to every single one before it's all said and done. So Pretty special guy there, and definitely worthy of uh, of the video tribute that they did. And uh, happy to see that go down in Saskatoon. So the Rush are now two and four, knocking on the door of the Vancouver Warriors for the third and final playoff spot in the West right now. Mm-hmm. As the Warriors limp kind of in and out of Colorado, That's, pun intended, yeah, as Mitch say. Jones. And I think this was reported by Stevie, and so I don't want to say anything I'm not supposed to be saying, but he well, he, he Instagrammed a, low, a picture lower of body, himself out in, in, a, in, yeah. a, in a cast and crutches and a wheelchair. I don't know how severe that was. I think he was being a little bit facetious. But uh, yeah, Mitch Jones picks up a bit of a freak injury in the arena before the game. So nothing to do with the game. He's he's, he's like in the hallway at uh, at Ball Arena, and he picks up his injury. So it's just a freak accident there. And then Logan Schaas will call it a team decision is scratched before this game as well. So your left side was Charlene Beatties, Ryan Martell playing his first game and Riley Lowen. And they went, they only went six offensive players as well as Jordan McBride took a seat and was running a gate 
yeah, for the Vancouver Warriors on that game. So it was a different look by the Vancouver Warriors. Your two best left side players not into it. And they run into a Colorado Mammoth team that's pretty hot right now. And after that stinker Dylan Ward had in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, you know he wasn't going to do that twice. Dylan Ward played a Dylan Ward-like game. First start. And like we talked about with Albany, Mammoth holds you to four. They're well, most teams, any team's going to hold you to four and win a game. But a 9-4 game is kind of a flattering score for the Colorado Mammoth and probably a game that they think uh, a score vindictive of how they play lacrosse. Yeah, I, I I think that's, you know, exactly what Pat Coyle and company are, are looking for. I, you know, maybe get to 10 or 11, but their defense was pretty darn stout. And, and you're right, Dylan was, was on top of his game. And when he's sharp early, like you're in trouble. You got to get to Dylan Ward early in a game to, to have a shot. And when he settles in, it's, it's just tough sledding and you, I know like other teams have players when they come out of the lineup, they can kind of plug another guy in. You can't replace Mitch Jones and what he does, whether he's passing, shooting, orchestrating the offense, drawing doubles. And it was really noticeable that Mitch wasn't, wasn't in their lineup and it just takes away from everybody else. But, you know, holding the mammoth to nine, what they last time put up 18 and, they hold the mammoth to nine. I think they got to be satisfied with the goaltending and happy with the defense. It was just a lack of production on offense here. And let's not care ourselves here, Brad, like four and one Colorado. That's legit. Four and one. That's a, yeah. That's a, that's a legit record. There's only a couple of teams in the league that can boast anything like that. They're second in the West now at that four and one. And like it's good a game by line. Colorado. Zed, Zed, yeah, Zed, Zed Williams. Like all the missed one game they erupt, and then all the Zed Williams trade rumors start spreading around. Zed Williams isn't going anywhere. He looked good. He no, fits that back system. To nine. The other I mean, night. Back down to nine, Brad. So I don't, you know, like I don't know if that's I don't know. offense he, he or defense. He scored two, and Tyler Digby was the odd man out. Yeah. And I don't think LeClaire got goals that game. It was the Liger and Ryan Lee and Zed Williams show that got yeah, fair. bulk of it done for Colorado. If you know, Warriors, yeah, if you're looking for positives, hold the mammoth to nine. That's pretty good. I think. Ryan Martell played himself probably into a, a job this weekend against Panther City Lacrosse Club. I thought he was yeah. pretty energetic and he was shooting the ball really well. Yeah, it didn't look tentative and, to shoot, which one Adam Charlotte Beatty's kind of continues to be, Brad. I don't know how they changed the mindset here or design things to get this kid going in the goal department, but they need their top draft pick to start scoring some goals here. And I I bet you Adam's putting as much pressure on himself as, as anybody is, but he's got to start getting a little more selfish and start taking shots. Yeah. There's a lot of good looks when he's like, he's rolling inside and then he's, he's flipping it back to the guy behind him or looking across the crease. Like those, those Not what he was shots. doing in training camp, right? That wasn't what he was doing. No, he, in was, training he was camp. taking guys. He was taking guys one-on-one on the doorstep. He was making his own shot. I think it's just a confidence thing. Like yeah. two goals for a, a, for a number four overall draft pick is, yeah, he's going to be hurt on himself. And I think, you know, if you're Chris Gill and Caleb Toth, you just got to make sure that this guy's confidence remains high and make sure he's getting 10, 12 shots a game and getting those looks. And that's how your confidence comes. You need to shoot your way out of trouble. And yeah. I think once those balls start falling for him, that confidence is going to, 
just skyrocket. There's rookies around the league doing absolute damage right now. And I think he's looking at those scoring charts and going, hey, wait a second. I was drafted higher than 10 shots a game minimum. He should be taking easy. Yeah, minimum. for sure. For sure. And so we'll see what the Warriors roll out with lineup wise this weekend against Panther city. Is it a six man offense? Is it lefty strong? Do we get Logan shots? Back? What do you think, bro? I think there's sweet spot respectable four rights, three lefts, seven. Oh, I think that's Vancouver's sweet spot or their wheelhouse there. Four See, rights, I three. Don't, three laps, I don't mind seven. if you want to get Charlotte Beatty's his touches. Like it's tough to do that with Mitch Jones and Logan Schuss in the lineup, right? So you almost have to go four lefties. So he's out there playing with Martell or Lowen because then he's going to be the guy on that side of the floor and you're going to get more looks that way than trying to share it with with Mitch Jones. Yeah. I think they've tried that. And I think that's the well that they might have to go back to. Those are the guys that are going to free him up to get his looks inside. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. So Vancouver falls to two and three, the mammoth near the top of the West four and one knocking on the seals door who man, Oh man, they were trailing heading into the fourth quarter seals against the doors. Calgary roughnecks who haven't played in like five weeks. And then they shut Calgary out in quarter number four. Chiliano shuts the door. Seals offense kind of finds that spark that Buffalo does late. And they cruise to their fifth straight victory. Only team that's done that this year, winning five in a row, is the Buffalo Bandits at five and oh. But your Seals are atop the West at five and one. And good teams find ways to win. And trailing heading into the fourth is a gutsy, gutsy victory by Pat Merrill's. San Diego SEAL squad. Uh, Calgary comes exploding out of the gates here. Six in the first quarter. I believe, I didn't see the beginning of this because of the stream and stuff, but I think Frankie was chased, and then O'Rig got chased. Frankie came back in and just slammed the door shut here. Man, does Austin Stotts ever play with some emotion. Like, holy cow, the kid just runs at 100 miles an hour all the time. Like, I don't think there's an off switch. Like, even Shoot, who... He runs pretty hot himself. He's the one trying to calm down Audie, like on the bench, like relax, man. Like, but I don't know if you want him to because he put up nine points in that game. And how about Jeremy Noble and the resurgence here for the little duder? Like, he's having he's on pace for a career season here, and no sign of of slowing down for Noble. No, he's one of the league's leader, one of the league leaders in assists, and he's he's relishing the role right now. And Jared's never gonna be a guy who's gonna be a shoot first guy. He's always gonna look. Yeah. But he's got such a potent offense of guys that are finishing for him right now. Like we talked a lot about. <laughs> they Colorado. got enough guys on that offense Where that did... like to shoot. So never mind. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dobie's Dobie's fine. Austin Stotts is is Leclerc, fine. Picks up like never seen assists, a shot like... he doesn't like. Yeah, like seriously. Exactly. Okay. So and West Westberg the same way. <laughs> Westberg is a shoot first guy. So yeah. someone's got to get assists on that offense. Right. Zach Greer right. <laughs> always going to have more goals than he has. Assist, right? But no, it's nice to see. Like there was qu- people were questioning Jeremy Noble the last couple of years, and you know, was he gonna? He was healthy scratched at times, and is this guy still a full time National Cross League player? And where's the gut and where's the commitment? But he's showing that he's got he's got IQ. The game slows down for him, and he's finding these guys that are just lethal right now. And you know, I think I put the Seals' offense right up there with the Buffalo Bandits' offense. Like there's just so oh, many man. weapons. 
and anybody can go on any night. It's like you think about like I run that down again. Noble, Berg, Leclerc, O'Keefe, Stotts, Doby, Greer. Like that is just a wagon of an offense, and their record indicates that five and one there for San Diego, who just seem to kind of be on a mission. Like I just, I just see Buffalo and San Diego on an absolute collision course right now. Tough game here for Calgary again. Long, long layoff, and then to start on the road, and they got off to a great start, but I think. Another example, Brad, of after a long layoff, just the tank went dry and they could not do anything in the second half, only scoring one goal. And they're not going to get any easier. They've got Colorado in Colorado next weekend. So back-to-back road games for the Calgary Roughnecks, then a long stretch of, and like for most teams in the West, a long stretch of Western opponents. Like this is, this is hey, yeah, what is it? Tim, time right now. They, I think they only have one more game out of conference or out of yeah, division. They've, done, they've got to, well, they've got to make up that Rochester game. They And that's, that might be the one they've done a couple Eastern trips already. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's go time here. And the Warriors have a similar schedule. Like it's all, it's all Calgary, Saskatchewan, Panther city and San Diego from, <laughs> from here on trip out. to Halifax but, uh, in there, I believe. But, yeah. One more game to go. And then the Sunday afternoon throw. We retreat. So we thought history was going to be made. Right. By seven games being played on all on Saturday, which would have been an NLL first. First time it's been 14 teams in the league. So all seven, all 14 playing in seven games on Saturday would have been a record. But because of the snowstorm on Long Island, the Riptide are forced to host the Buffalo Bandits at one o'clock Eastern. So good in New York. So, so you know, I was started at noon, we, and it was just like we all, perfect. Yeah, we all love our Sunday, our Sunday lacrosse little appetizer before uh, before Sunday night. So I was happy that this got moved to Sunday. Buffalo and the New York Riptide, and I don't think like you look at who you got and pick them websites, and no one had the New York Riptide winning this game, and they take a three goal lead. They have a three goal lead oh. deep into quarter number four and you know we can talk about these these penalties here in a sec but they get in some penalty trouble the bandits score three goals in the last four minutes two power play goals in the final minute and a half and then they carry a power play into overtime where cloutier gets the winner the final four goals of the game and their 5-0 win yeah but Bandits team with, tied, man. Like they're these. This was an offensive, <laughs> absolute onslaught and showcase. Callum, and it was, Callum had three goals and eight assists for eleven points. And then I look, <laughs> there's Jeff T. Three goals, nine assists for twelve points, and they don't. Yeah, he win. got some assists added. When I checked this on Sunday night, he only had ten points. So I only had 10 well, points. Well, they got the stars listed got here. Dis- and the point here that I want to want to chew on with you here, Jumbo, mm. is that, and we were, you and I were included in this one. Like, can Jeff Teat flourish with Callum Crawford on that team? Can these two mesh? Can this offense mesh with essentially two quarterbacks and two guys that are going to need the ball? And how are they going to get along? And is the veteran going to hamper the development of the rookie? They combined for 23 <laughs> points. Like clearly it's it's working, well, right? And 
we'll we'll get into this with Josh Byrne about how you can have a lot of superstars working in an offense effectively, but these guys have found a way to both dominate their sides of the floor, both feed. I like the way the Callum is not shooting for he's, he's taking the odd shot here and then they're like, oh, okay, that's literally early in a shot clock. That's not a good look. I think there's one near the end of the game that almost gave the ball back to yeah. Buffalo too, yeah. but they're sharing the bulk of the load. And when you have each one of these lethal guys that are, are, are feeding threats and shooting threats at the same time on the floor at the opposite sides, it's uh, it's becoming very tough to defend. And when you have secondary guys like McCardle and well, that's Kiernan, it. Sundown and Gibson all scoring, it's 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 tough to defend, man. Well, not tough o- to defend. But point being, Crawford and Teed experiment is is working. Yeah, it's working. Yeah, and it's working because of guys like Sundown and McCardle who are willing to do the dirty stuff. And you got Kiernan on the other side, getting guys open. And and yeah, they can score, but. They're the ones that are they're greasing the wheels here. I think the website might have the stars backwards here. I think got Kluge listed as the first star with one goal and two assists, and Teat with 12 points listed as the third star. So I think they might have gone backwards on that. But concerning here is the penalties, Brad. Like seven minors for the Riptide, 10 for the Bandits. And I didn't think it was a particularly well-officiated game. I know that high stick on Thorbert that was a five on Nanakoke. At first glance, I was like, oh, that that two minutes high sticking, sure. Five at that juncture of the game, I was kind of like, yeah, but they've called that pretty consistently. So I'm willing to, to allow that. But the moving pick or the holding of the stick... Yeah, Damon Edwards. Holy, I mean, what are you? There's a player. What are you? He got he got run over. Yeah, I can't remember what player was coming in for that right side. He he got run over, and as he's falling, somehow gets a holding call. And you know, we don't spend a lot of time here discussing officiating. Like we almost never do. I was thinking about that this afternoon. I was like, hey, we got a few penalties to talk about, and we never do this. But there was just some some blatant ones in this game that I think affected the outcome of a lacrosse game. So obviously you're going to start not what you want. discussing it and chewing on it. No, not at, at any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Like that, you Nobody's get, there that, to that, watch that. 17 power plays. I'm sorry. Like nobody wants to see that. And yeah, 18, seven overtime game, all the rest of it. Like give me five on five lacrosse any day over special teams and 11 power play goals. Yeah. That's a lot. And like, we haven't even talked about this, but uh, back of the bird co-host there in, in Dan Lomas get activated here for, for Lomi. And, man, Brad, like, I Sundown, I think, has exceeded expectations on what he, like, he put up six points in that game as well. And then McCardle, they got to find room here for Dan Lomas somehow, but I'm not sure how they do it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, you know, just thinking about, what we were talking about a second ago about the secondary guys chipping in, like that's why I think Callum Crawford and Jeff T can have this much success, especially Crawford right now, because he hasn't had to be like, I need a hat trick right now. Like we're down by three. I need to go get a hat trick right now because there there's other guys that are scoring. And like, there's been times in Crawford's career where he has had to had to have been the lone weapon. Right. So there's not that, I need to be a world beater or my team's going to lose this game because there is other guys contributing. So they've got some depth there for sure. And 
You bring up sundown. I wanted to bring up the penalty he got during, before, or after the Jeff Teat goal in the first quarter, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, so he breaks his stick, setting a pick that opens Teat up, who shoots and scores. And then he's called for a cross-checking penalty. So traditionally, that's just going to be a moving pick called blown down no, before no. the shot is taken. Yeah. And then it's just a turnover and it's going to their team. But because that was such a bang-bang play and T takes the shot you know, basically while the stick is breaking and it shot goes in the back of the net, ref's arm goes up after the goal, that's why... That's why sundown gets the penalty afterwards but i guess they're deeming the cross check is happening after that shot was taken yeah, but that's how split second it was i don't think so man like and the shot doesn't get taken if sundown doesn't take a penalty to open him up for that shot and listen i don't even know if it's a penalty just because the stick breaks like we see that in hockey right when a guy chops a stick and it breaks it's automatically a slashing call and just because your shaft breaks when you're setting a pick i'm not sold on the fact that it is an automatic penalty, but it just looks really bad, so I think you got to call it. But if you're calling it, the pick happened, or the penalty happened before the shot. Like, it doesn't matter. So, weird situation there. Uh, yeah, Goal-counted penalty got, still happened, which I don't think was I got right. email. I got an email into the National Lacrosse League, and the comment back was, refs got it right. Um, rule 55-4. So, if I read to you, Okay. From the good book of the lacrosse national lacrosse league rule book. Evan Joe. right now. Okay, rule, go. Rule 55-4 after officials whistle. When the ball passes through the plane of the goal after one of the officials has sounded his whistle for any reason, including the sounding of an inadvertent whistle. The specific point of reference is the official's sounding of the whistle in determination of the precise point in stopping the play. Okay. So I would so I think argue because I would argue so the this. Goal, so the ref, Garrison calls it, he was behind Teat, right? Like, Garrison was the far ref who called it. He's out near center behind Teat, So that right? probably so wasn't right either. What I'm gathering is that, what I'm gathering is that the, the shot goes in. The shot is taken, the shot goes in. And then arm goes up, whistle blows. Yeah, which but because is- of that delayed time, because that ball went in first, they're saying the whistle didn't Okay, matter. that's fine. That's fine. That is the rule. They got that right. But I would argue the whistle should have went long before the ball went in the net. Like when the penalty happened, that's the penalty. The shot never happens if you call the penalty right when the penalty was supposed to be called. So I think that's where I have the issue with it. The whistle should have gone long before the shot was taken, and it didn't. Uh, I agree. I agree. And we see it all the time. Like it happens quite often where a shot is taken and goes in and the ref goes, no, 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 no. That was, yeah, that yeah. was a moving pick exactly. and we continue playing, go back the other way. So I don't know why this one Me either. was any different. I'll share on Twitter if I do get another well, response know, back. Our, I'm our buddy, a little bit more, but Todd's going to listen and he'll, he'll let us know what he thinks. By the way, he called you out for missing that good question ding that, that you missed there a couple of weeks ago. So he's, he's, he's plugged in. Todd LeBron and, and he'll listen to listening, this and he'll listening very close, very close indeed. All right, Brad, so that wrapped up yeah. last week's action, man. Bandits are five and zero, and the New York Riptide still with just that single win, but trending in the right direction. I know we'll talk about it with Evan later on on this show, 
but their next game against Halifax. And like a couple weeks ago, would a Riptide Thunderbirds game have been so intriguing? But now it's like, who you got with two T's <laughs> between the New York Riptide and the Halifax Thunderbirds in front of no fans in Hamilton? Some interesting wrinkles to think about. And uh, we'll break it down in about half an hour. Yes, we will. But for now, Brad, this has been monster opening quarter, but with seven games, so I would expect nothing less. Uh, hop on, Mr. Ed. I'll jump on trigger here. It's time to head for the Stampede Tax Stables. <laughs> We have reached the stand. You want to get get one in there or no? <laughs> I'm gonna get a I'm gonna get a carrot next time we do this segment. Chomp a big carrot, not bad. We have reached the Stampede Tack and Western Wear stables here, and I got some new information from our friends at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. 2022 is well underway. And at Stampede Tack and Western Wear, they've been working hard to make sure they keep adding selection to their great products for their customers. New styles are always arriving in-store brands like Brunstone, Ariat, Wrangler, Stetson, and more. Be sure to hit the trail. Shop early at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Selection for ladies, men's clothing. They got it all, whether for work or for play. Make the trip to Stampede Tack and Western Wear in Cloverdale. They've been there since 1966. Or you can shop online. We're still shopping local. Stampede.ca. Good stuff out there at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. And uh, Stallions this week. Brad, I'm going to go first. I was actually going to pick one proud new papa, Captain America, Tom Schreiber, with his sock trick for the Toronto Rock. But he's getting an honorable mention because I did not, this did not catch my eye, but I cannot turn away or ignore 12-point effort from rookie Jeff Teat of the New York Riptide. We just talked about it a lot, so I don't know if we need to spend a lot more time on number 51 for the Riptide, but 12 points. Come on. He's my stallion of the week. Yeah, unreal stuff from young Jeffrey Teat, who's now got, what, three hat-tricks in his four games in the National Lacrosse League. He's now top. 20 in league scoring after missing a couple games due to COVID. And there he is doing exactly what I think everybody thought he was going to be doing in the national crossing. I think maybe even doing a little bit more than what I anticipated because like, look at around, like look how it's taken Charlotte Beatty's a minute and, and Ryan Smith and some of the other high draft picks that are entering this year. Hasn't taken Jeff Teat a second to do what he's doing. (laughs) And I, I don't know where, I think it was on, our Twitter spaces or whatever that we were talking. And the question was like, well, what does Jeff Teat need to do for the rest of the season to get him into the rookie of the year conversation? And I was like, well, like I think six, seven points a night for Teat is totally achievable. And I think if he puts up seven a game for the rest of the year, he'll be the rookie of the year. <laughs> he just put up 12. And I, like, I think this is Especially, double digits. We're going to see it. All the yeah, time. especially if they get some more wins. Like I, I always think that's important. Like sure. I, I don't like voting for the MVP of the rookie of the year. That's the best player on the worst team. Um, you know, I'd like to see them get a couple of wins and have him will his team to they're victory close. and kind of get they're that close. momentum yeah. behind them. Yeah, they're they're super close. And yeah, there's just there's an oh wow 
moment every game with Jeff T, whether it's a pass, whether it's a shot. Number one overall play on a day when the two conference championship games in football are happening. Jake Fox, number one, Sports Center top 10. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, pretty cool. So yeah, it's it's a fun it's a fun team to watch, and Jeff Teed has come in absolutely average as advertised, and I can't wait to see what he looks like next weekend oh and God. next year and ten years from now. We're we're witnessing, we're going to be looking back one day saying we're glad that we got to cover the league when Jeff Teed was playing in it. I'm already saying it. I'm already saying it. Brad, who's your stallion of the week? Check out this stat line, Jumbo. I know who you know who it is, but let me just read the stat line. I'll pretend like I don't. Tell me who you think it is. Pretend you don't. Who had three assists, four penalty minutes, 11 loose balls, and took 24 face-offs, winning 46% of them, helping his team to their first victory in a minute? Well, as soon as you tell me face-offs, that limits who it could be, because it's only a certain amount of guys taking face-offs. And since he was around 50%, I think he's been around 50% the entire season. I saw him playing some offense over the weekend as well, so I have a pretty good idea, Brad, that it is one. Mike the Hammer Messenger is, is your stallion this week. Don't just call him the Stampede Stallion of this week. Put his name on the Transition Player of the Year trophy MVP right now. Conversation. MVP might be a little stretch there for a two-win team there, my friend. But uh, Transition Player of the Year, I think, easy runaway right now is Messenger. And it just got solidified by, let's throw him out the offensive gate and clear some space for, for Robert Church, who had maybe his best game of the season so far. Like, what a, what a sweet move that was. I know we just talked about it, but just the... Give this guy more minutes because he like he's the guy well, he that can get tired. Take those kind of minutes. Yeah. He's an absolute freak, and yeah, sets those hard picks. Didn't look out of place out there. He's running around a little bit. Like wasn't a scoring threat, but was just a pick threat. So he wasn't the scoring threat that Sean Rogers is when he gets those O reps, but just made sort of everybody around him better and just draws so much focus from the defense and like, what do you do with that? What do you do with a guy that big and that strong clearing up that much space that doesn't feel a cross check does not feel you trying to blow up a pick just doesn't detect it. And he's just done so much for the Saskatchewan rush this season and something different every week. He's the stallion this week because of what he did on the offensive zone and then still scrapping for loose balls and taking face. Well, that's it. Like, and he can do pretty much whatever he wants out there because even if he does something that crosses the line, like nobody's like, he'll beat the snot out of you. If you come challenge him to a fight. So there's really nothing that Mike messenger cannot do in, in the game of lacrosse. He is far and away by one of my favorite players to, to watch play the game. And it's just an absolute animal. So, uh, Animals belong in the stable. How about that for a segue, Brad? Uh, welcome to the stable to Jeff Teat. And Mike Messenger, you are this week's Stampede Stallions of the Week, presented by Stampede Tech and Western Wear. Huge opening quarter here for EP169, and still a lot more to talk about. Stick with us here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. We're going to quarter two, where we're going to talk to Josh Byrne of the Buffalo Bandits. Next, after this.
This is Reed Bowering. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Into the second quarter, we move. Uh, Jake Elliott Brown, Sean, are with you. And with us for 2022, Rycor Construction. This upcoming interview brought to you by Rycor Construction. Make it stand out. And uh, happy days around uh, the Rycor estate as uh, son Josh Mills drafted first uh, in the second round. First pick in the second round to the Port Coquitlam Junior A Saints. So congrats to the Mills. And uh, if you need a reno, new fence, deck, uh, kitchen, bathroom, you name it, over 15 years of experience in the construction industry, check out their Facebook and their Instagram, Rycor Construction Inc., so you can see what they're capable of doing. It's good stuff. I can tell you that without even having to go there. Uh, we are going to Buffalo, New York, uh, as the pride of New Westminster. It's been a while since he's been back to the Royal City, but uh, first overall pick, uh, former Laker, former junior Sambelli, PLL champion with the chaos. I could go on. It's 22 in your Bandits program, Josh Byrne, back on the pod. Josh, thanks for doing this. What's going on? Not much, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Always uh, a pleasure to get you on the podcast, man. You can be a little tricky to run down. You tried to big time me again with the old PR move. I went straight to Chugger. I was just like, look, man, like uh, Josh. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I appreciate you coming on here. I know you got to follow the protocols and all that sort of stuff. That's that's the way to do it, though. You got you got to go through Chugs, man. He, he's the one that uh, that pulls all the strings. Uh, I made it happen in like five minutes. Yeah. yeah, if you start talking to, to everyone on the back end, it's uh, – <laughs> It take a little time. That's, that's sure. it. That's <laughs> just it. And there, there wasn't a whole lot of time to to turn you around here and get you on because uh, you guys got involved with, I don't know, man. That was some wacky stuff there on, on Sunday from Long Island. You guys pulled out an eighteen seventeen victory and remain undefeated. A little dicey there in the fourth quarter, Josh. Like I, I thought the Riptide were gonna get that thing done, and then. All of a sudden, uh, things turn pretty quickly. Nice to get out of Long Island and stay undefeated. Yeah, you know what? It was uh, it was a tough weekend in general, you know, with um, the big snowstorm that was out east. We had to move the game to 1 p.m. start um, in Long Island, which, you know, guys just aren't really used to that, especially in the NLL. Um, more field guys might do a little bit more of that, but uh, it, it was tough. It threw a lot of guys out of their routines, and um, at the end of the day, it wasn't pretty, but but we grinded one out, so it was good. It was a bit of an interesting game. Like, Bandit's an unfamiliar territory. Like, being down in a fourth quarter, Matt Vince, it's only the third or fourth time in his career he's let in 17 in a game, so just a lot of things that were quirky in that one and unheard of. The but, overhead. You know, the the overhead. Yeah, just, just slightly. But the thing about the Bandits this year, Josh, there's everyone's sort of like it's it's one of the best offenses, if it's not the best offense in the National Lacrosse League. I think you guys can score yourselves out of trouble um, whenever. But you're down like that in the fourth quarter. What's what's that mentality like? It's I know it's never in doubt for you guys, but how does that group just sort of click together and say, OK, now now it's go time Time to find that next next gear. You know, it's actually funny. There's a. Uh... I don't think I've ever played in a game where I thought that we were going to lose. So no matter what the score is, I feel like that's the beauty of the game lacrosse is that um, crazier things have happened. And uh, it was, I think they, they ended up tying it up and I uh, looked over at phrase and I was like, all right, let's go. 
it's, it's go time here. And then they put three more in and then we're like, well, we haven't touched the floor yet. So that doesn't really count. So, <laughs> but, uh, but no, man, it was, um, it's a lot of fun. Obviously as a group, we have a lot of trust in each other. And, and I mean, we're very talented at, at every spot. Right. So, um, as, as long as we trust each other and we work together, I, I think, uh, we're never really out of any games. Josh Byrne with us here on Lax class. Can we settle this right, right here and now, Josh is, Fraser, Fraser, not Fraser, like the TV show. That's Chase Fraser. Am I am I right on this? Like I hear it different, almost announcer to announcer. Can you settle this once and for all, Fraser or Fraser? Chase Fraser. It's we, we call him the phrase. Uh, also goes by the name of Carlos as well. Uh, <laughs> sometimes Carlos is a scary dude. You never know what you're gonna get with Carlos. But uh, but yes, Chase Fraser. Now. Did you guys, I don't want to make this all about Chase Fraser here, but did you guys, like, you guys are both from Lower Mainland here in British Columbia. He's a, a Delta boy or a, I think a Delta Surrey boy. Surrey boy. Surrey boy played his junior in Delta. Okay. And you're, you're a new ass guy. Did you guys really know each other on the come up? Because it kind of seemed like once the PLL fired up and, you know, I don't know exactly how it worked, but maybe you can break this down. They were looking for a guy. Chase was kind of working a nine to five and you called him up and were like, do you want to come play in the PLL? And the rest is history. You've kind of really taken him under your wing. And now, now I think you guys are flying together sort of thing, but the connection there between you and Chase Fraser has become a real solid one, both with the, the chaos and now the bandits. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, Back in the day, we weren't too fond of each other. <laughs> um, I think uh, when we were growing up playing against each other, we were both very uh, cocky and um, just would kind of mirror images of each other and didn't like the way we played. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was really interesting. When we first, yeah, I mean, really, though, Josh, like you guys are almost <laughs> mirrors of each other with the swag and the attitude and the, the quick cuts and the, the airborne stuff like it. You guys really are similar guys, except one's a righty and one's a lefty, essentially. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I think we really didn't like each other when uh, when we were playing against each other. But, I mean, as soon as we got drafted um, at the same time uh, together, we kind of were like, I guess we're boys now, man. It was, it was super simple. And, 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 and ever since then, he's become one of my best friends. So, um, yeah, he, he did an awesome job. And just he never really got a fair look from a professional field standpoint. And I knew I knew what he could do in the box game. Obviously, his, his athleticism, uh, his strength, he's big, he's got great hands. And I was telling Danny Towers, I'm like, man, this this kid can play, he can ball. And uh, there's no harm in giving him a chance and, and, and seeing, seeing what he does with it. And he absolutely ran with it. And he, he's been crushing it ever since. I imagine Andy Towers just says, is he Canadian? Okay, we'll, uh, we'll sign him. That's the way it goes. Um, but Josh, there's been, there's been so much made, man, about the – what what you let's just let's just call you the Canadian guys have brought to chaos and how you changed that team and now it's a championship team in the PLL and everyone wants a piece of this sort of Canadian field style. What can you take in the opposite direction though? Because I think there's things that you guys have picked up in the PLL that's working in the national lacrosse. Like what have you brought outdoors to indoors? I, I think it's just the chemistry, right? Like it's, it's one thing when you, when you play with the guy for four months of the year, but it's, it's a whole nother game when you're with somebody for 12 months of the year, you know what I mean? So like everything that we're doing, we're constantly bouncing ideas off each other, constantly talking through plays on top of that. We live with each other um, year round. So like, there's really um, the chemistry just on a whole nother level. 
Um, so we, we do our very best to, to stay positive and, and to really trust each other and, and have a good time, man. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Here with Josh Byrne, Buffalo Bandits. And, and like, to go to add on to that, Josh, like, the championship mentality, like, I think it would have came into play against New York where you guys were down a few in the fourth quarter, but you guys have reached the pinnacle in the PLL, and there's a there's a good handful of you both on the chaos and the bandits. I would think that that belief, that championship mentality that you got with the chaos would now transfer into that bandits locker room because you guys know how to get it done in the big moment. Yeah, I mean, and I, and I would even take it a step further and, and really rewind to 2019 when we're in the finals um, against Calgary. And, you know, we, we end up losing the, we end up losing that championship. And, and, you know, that hurt, that, that hurt our group a lot. Um, but it also taught us a lot um, just about being in a championship and, and what it takes to win and um, how, no, how no matter what, no matter what it is, no matter who you're playing against, no matter what your record is, um, anything can happen. So um, I, I, th- I think that's really what set the tone going forward and then moving into chaos, obviously, with the, the championship there. Um, and, you know, it starts to get addicting, right? You're always trying to find that, that next championship. You know, one thing, and you guys are breaking the mold of this, but I think one thing that's been sort of detrimental to some lacrosse teams over the years, Josh, is that it's too much of a clubhouse and, you know, guys are almost too close and it's not like, Hey, we're, we we have business to do this weekend. It's almost like there's a, there's been a clubhouse mentality and loyalty has been a detriment to, to some teams over the years. How do you guys strike the balance there and sort of break that mold? I mean, I, I, it starts with holding each other accountable. Um, like I, I personally think that the best friendships you have, um, keep it real with each other and, and are honest with each other. So if, if someone's slipping up, um, any one of us can step up and, and say something to, to the other guy and, and kind of keep somebody in check um, when it needs to happen. Um, so that, I think that's a, that's a big part is that like we all just respect each other's opinions so much and that, and we keep it real. So like when, when we do need to hear something and, and it comes from someone, we, we take it on the chin and, and, we, and we move on and, and, and we figure out how to keep winning. Tell me about this offense with Buffalo, Josh. Like, I don't know, excuse me, if I've ever seen this amount of firepower on on one offense with you, Kluch, Fields, Nanakoke, uh, Dane, Chase, like a guy like Bucky, who's, you know, like somebody out of that group has got to sit, but. I think my question is like, how have you guys found a way? Because it all, like the old adage of, oh, there's only one ball and too many superstars. Uh, you know, everybody's going to want to get their touches and their shots. It's not going to work. But you guys in Buffalo have have really found a way to make it work with that much star power. I would think that message probably comes from the big boss and John Tavares there, like. He's the example, and is that the message from him? Like, let the ball do the work, and, and everybody will get theirs in the, at the end of the day. Yeah, JT definitely has a big part in that and, and really stresses moving the ball and swinging the ball. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it really comes down to um, the leader on the floor, and that's Dane, right? Dane, is, Dane has always been a super unselfish player, and with the amount of talent that he has, for, for him to sometimes take a step back and – and trust anyone else to, to make a big play that trickles down to everyone else. Right. It, it humbles everyone. When, when you have a guy that's um, an, an MVP, like he's just, he's done it all. I think he's still the leading, leading uh, 
point getter of the league or holds the record or whatever it is. Um, and, and, and he's still so humble and works his ass off every day. So I, I think it really starts with him. I want to know you're, you're what we'd like to see more of Josh. And that's just a full-time lacrosse player. You got two leagues, but you're a full-time lacrosse player. I want you to paint the picture of a day in the life of a full-time pro. Like it's, it's Monday today. What does Monday look like from the time you roll out of bed till, till you, till you go down tonight? You know, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it starts with getting up, um, trying to get up early, getting some stretching in. Um, I mean, personally, I've, I've put a lot more emphasis in uh, stretching, nutrition, um, and really just trying to take care of my body, especially on a game, uh, a Sunday game. Uh, it's kind of a weird week now, right? So you're, you don't really get as much rest time as you would with Saturday. You got to really make sure that you hammer down your recovery stuff. Definitely going to get a workout in. That's, that's kind of one mandatory thing. And that, I think that we've preached in Buffalo, uh, no, ma- no matter who comes in, uh, we always make sure that that we work our asses off during the week so that uh, come the weekend, we're ready to go. And and I want to talk about that, Josh, because I think the fact that you have put such an emphasis on your body that we've seen your game go to another level. Like I think back to the PLL and you like trucking a guy with two hands on your stick for a step back. And I was like, Holy shit, I've never seen Josh do that. Like you've always had the quicks and the lateral movement, but watching the game on Sunday, my lady made the comment like Josh looks like he's got jet packs in his shoes. And when I was watching you in junior, I, you could tell pretty early on that you were be- going to become a special player. But I think this kind of evolution of your game the airborne stuff where you're, you're going up in the air and, and hanging in there and, and, and dunking the ball from inside the crease. But you've also added a strength element to your game to go along with that quickness as well. And, and you're telling me that's, that's been the focus for you working on your body. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's not only working on your body, but also just learning from the players around you, you know, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of funny cause, um, the guy that kind of taught me, uh, the, the whole diving and dunking thing it was was Callum Crawford. We ended up playing last uh, on Sunday, and uh, he was actually on my rookie year. He was a guy who kind of gave me a lot of just tips and pointers on on how to attack people, when to attack people, um, and and then on top of that, just just practicing it over over and over again, right? So um, I think the the one thing as a professional cross player that I, that I wish that we had more access to is this field time and being able to go and really create and work on our craft. Um, I think you hear Rabel talking about it a lot with just getting more field nets out to, to, to different um, programs and cities across the country, but um, having a place that we could go and shoot and really work on it, I think would give a lot of guys that opportunity to take their games to the next level. And um, I do my best to try, even if I'm, even if I'm training kids, coaching kids, I, I'll jump in the drills just to get my own reps sometimes. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that's part of it. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't like, I don't think people understand that Josh, like how big of a difference would it be if the entire bandit roster or whoever could practice like two or even three times a week leading into a game. Think about how much better everybody would get being able to do that together. Yeah, it, it, it would be insane. And, and I don't think that the league is too far out from that. I, I think within the next couple of years, you're, you're going to see the league switch to a full-time league. And, um, and, and I think you're going to see players take 
massive jumps and you're going to start seeing things that we've never really seen before in, in a lacrosse game. So um, it's nothing but up for this game, which I'm pretty fired up about. I think one thing that helps with the Bandits advantage too must be when you do go to practice, there's the best goaltender in the history of the sport that you're, yeah, you're taking reps <laughs> against. Um, how much of an event, like, and, and you got JT behind the bench. So there's a lot of good things falling in place for the Buffalo Bandits, but you know, how much do you think that has helped the game of the Bandits by, by having Vino there and learning what you need to do to beat the best? It's huge, man. He, he's, he's the best to ever do it. And it seems like this guy just, keeps getting younger somehow i don't know I, th- I think if he really wants to he could play for another 10 years man he's uh That's he's crazy. in the best shape but of, of everybody on our team but uh but not only just shooting on him in practice obviously makes us an, a lot better and sometimes a little bit frustrating but um <laughs> but just even kind of picking his brain at times i think there is a uh, there's been a couple of times where i've gone to him and maybe i've struggled in in a couple of the games and been like man like what are you seeing that I'm doing? What What are the tendencies that you're watching me do so that I can start to try to cut those out of my game? And, and he gives me a lot of pointers that I didn't even realize that I was doing. So he, he's a huge help for all of us. Speaking of Josh Byrne here, a couple of more minutes who became the second fastest player to 100 career points in Bandits franchise history. Did it in, what did you do it in here? 26 games, Josh. John Tavares, you want to take a guess at this, Brad? I don't know if you saw this or not. How many games did you would you think it took JT to get to 100 points? Took Josh 26? Took Josh 26. I'd say 10. <laughs> not a bad guess. <laughs> 100 points. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to say uh 18 games. 16 he did it. In. 16. Oh, man. That's a season now or that's less than that's a season absurd. now. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. That is yeah. absurd. Yeah, that is absurd. Um Take me back to, to New Westminster, Josh. And and for those that don't know, you come from a mixed race family and being from New West, I don't know if the game was just kind of born into you, but I don't even know if I've asked you this before, but how did you start playing lacrosse? So I, I actually, um, when I was younger, I wanted to play hockey really bad. That was the one thing that I, that I love to do. I'd see it on TV all the time. And I was like, mom, I want to play hockey. And she was like, well, no, it's way too rough. Like let's put you in lacrosse. So she had no idea what she was throwing me into <laughs> um but uh I, I ended up playing at a very young age i think it was i was about three years old uh, she would always take me out to the park and just uh i think i would throw the ball at her and she'd catch it with her hands or, or whatever it may be but uh but she she was the big one that kind of got me into the cross and uh i think she was trying to keep me safe but uh i don't think she realized how, how rough it was where the cross was at the time well, and you can't escape it growing up in New West. I know you have, you're one of the rare cases, Josh, of guys who have left BC and haven't come back yet. And there's, there's not many of you guys out there, but uh, what do you miss most about home? I, I honestly, it's, it's my family, right? Like it's, uh, that's probably the hardest part about uh, living out East is not being able to see my family as much as I would like to, especially over the last two or three years with uh, COVID and all these different quarantine rules and, and COVID rules, uh, let alone getting over the border. It's just, it's been super tough. So that, that's definitely my, my biggest thing. But then on top of that, um, from an actual, um, I would say I, I miss the mountains the most um, besides my family. The mountains are amazing. I thought I think you're gonna say white spot or you Queens know one of, the, one of the breweries. <laughs> those, yeah, the, the those, box. Those breakfast sandwiches, they they're they're incredible. At that white spot, they're they're unreal. Triple O's too. 
Well, Josh, uh, last one here for you. The the rivalry renews once again as Rochester coming to town. Uh, you guys looking to keep it rolling? The only undefeated team remaining in the NLL. How do you do that against the Nighthawks? I, I mean, to be honest with you, it kind of feels like we owe them one. Uh, that that game, I feel like in Roch, uh, a bunch of us didn't have our best games, uh, and, and it, it really feels like uh, we weren't really ready for what they were going to do from a, from a defensive perspective. Um, so being able to get another chance at those guys, take another crack at those guys, it's it's gonna it's gonna be fun for sure. I lied. I got one more for you. You're, I know you're on your way to coaching, so let me let me give you an opportunity to give uh, what you're doing back there in, in the coaching aspect. Yeah. So. Um, Right, right now we're actually um, we're working with a program called Beast Across, um, and and they're doing an awesome job. They're they're trying to grow the game of box across in Buffalo, um, and you know what? It's uh, it's it's led by a guy named Scott Moore, and, and he's been incredible to all of us and helping us out in any way that he can. Um, and his his head's really just in the right place, um, and and he really wants to grow the game, and and he's one of those guys that you know. Um, what he wants to do in, in, in the lacrosse world is, is very special. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, man, working with him and, and there's a lot of kids and it's, it's really cool to watch them actually starting to develop and get a lot better. Um, they're, they're going back to their field coaches and their field coaches are like, who are you? I've never even seen you play before. It feels like it's, it's awesome. So it just, uh, just shows how much box can, can really help um, in, in development in general. So it's awesome. Uh, More of the better, man. Uh, Hey, Josh, appreciate the time as always, man. Uh, Good luck against the Nighthawks coming up this weekend. And I'm sure we'll see each other or talk uh, sooner than later, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. That's Josh Byrne. Uh, Brad, always good to to run down the kid out of New West. I know he's, he's supplanted there in Buffalo now, but I'll always kind of remember a young Josh Byrne there for the junior bellies lighting up the BCJ. Yeah, he was, he, you could tell from the time he was 16, 17 years old that he was going to go and do damage. And I enjoyed that chat because that's what a full-time lacrosse yeah, player sounds like. You know, we don't it. have it. We don't have a ton of them here, but that guy is so ingrained in so many different aspects of the sport at the age that he's at. It's, it's a full-time career. And you know that he's starting his coaching now. And when he hangs it up one day, 20, 30 years down the road, that's a guy that could be behind a bench or managing somewhere because he's so entrenched in so many different aspects. He's seen so much at the age that he's at. What's Josh going to burn going to sound like when he's He's just 40? starting to come into his prime right now, which is exactly the right. Yeah. Exactly. And the bandits are on, they're on a special run right now, man. This is a fun team to watch. That game was never in doubt for me watching the other night. Like I'm, I, I well, mentioned last week on the podcast, come on now. I'm, I'm, I'm team tied. I'm so team tied right now. I think the New York Riptide are playing some fun lacrosse and they're a fun O to watch. And that was just an offensive onslaught yeah. by bo- both those teams. And I just, I don't know, Why you and I were else? texting. And it, it didn't feel like it was in doubt from the Buffalo wow. Bandits. And then sure enough. When it went like 17-14 riptide, I was like, oh, they might actually do this. But a uh, little penalty trouble there. Those are just... We'll, and then we'll Kluge, talk about, yeah. Kluge didn't have a goal all game. Ah, like, wild. what a chance to come out and play. That's that. That's how well-rounded that offense is. The guy that you feed the ball to yeah. in OT is the guy that has first goal of the game. So, yeah, Bandits are on a special run. Great chat with Josh Byrne, and uh, we wish the Bandits the rest of the luck. Oh. Rest of luck the rest of the way of this season. Yeah, always love watching the Double Deuce uh, play there for the Bandits. Uh, and I love watching this next guest coming up here in quarter number three play the game as well. Bar down, Bobby. Robert Church 
is next here in Lacrosse Classified. Keep it right here, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is Bradley Cree of the Toronto Rock. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified. Growing the game one podcast at a time. Welcome back to Lacrosse Classified. Into the second half we go. Another great interview on deck here. But not before I tell you about Associated Labels and Packaging. Family owned, focusing on ethics, quality. Over 40 years of experience at Associated Labels and Packaging. Down there in Coquitlam. Uh, Ashworth not too happy this week as his Niners got knocked out by the Rams. Another awesome week of playoff football, but uh, still cranking out labels and packages at AssociateLP.com is where you can find them. Uh, I'm going to run down a few accolades here for our next guest. I don't know if I've ever done this. Uh, BC- no, I was going to say, like, you don't bust out the intros very often. No, so this, uh, this this is pretty this is yeah. pretty important here for, well, for Robert Church. Usually, oh, no, you just gave it away. Well, I guess we already told people who was on. But uh, 2009 BC Junior Lacrosse League MVP. Rookie of the year that year as well. So winning MVP as a rookie, pretty good. 2010 Minto Cup champion. 2010 Minto Cup MVP. Three-time WLA MVP, bunch of honors at Drexel, NLL All-Rookie Team, three-time NLL Cup winner with the Saskatchewan Rush, and a first-team All-Pro in there as well. Robert Church, bar down Bobby, back on the podcast. Uh, Robert, thanks for doing this. Uh, how are things? Yeah, thanks for having me. But, uh I don't think I've ever had an introduction like that. So uh, I should probably start doing you. a little more of that, I guess. Uh, Jumbo, you Jumbo did his homework. This is this no, is quite no, impressive. Wikipedia, I think he's, Wikipedia he's rolling out the me. rolling out the red carpet here. I like it. You <laughs> missed you missed a long time ago. Yeah. Right, Jumbo, you did miss um what was it the three or four game stint with the Ladner Pioneers this oh, summer though? Yeah, I probably should have had XLL star in there as well. I had to get it on there. Let, let's, let's jump there church. Cause it was a long off season for you. You had to, you had to play somewhere and it looked like a fun group getting together with, uh, with Ladner, but what was the, that was a Pie chance ball. to get you stick, stick in your hand and, uh, and have some fun and get in shape. Yeah. And it had been uh, a long time since I'd played any lacrosse. So, I'd signed up for with Jumbo and the XLL in that winter league, which happened to get canceled with, with COVID picking up a bit there. So that was kind of a bummer because I think guys were really pumped for that. And then, yeah, Logan had been kind of in touch, just asked if I had any interest in, in playing some senior B with Ladner. And, uh, you know, he's kind of always all over me to get out there and play. So, you know, he told me some of the guys were playing. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And, uh, you know, it was a good experience. Uh, it was a great experience, Robert. Play, I must have been playing. Like I went to watch pretty much every game, and going to those games in North Shore, packed house, drums are banging, great atmosphere. One of the best places to watch a game. I really enjoyed playing games at Harry Jerome as well. Yeah, I think that was my first time ever playing in that arena. Honestly, tight corners, small floor. Yeah, the atmosphere was was awesome. I mean, it was it was just as good, if not better, than any any WLA game I played in. Uh, it's not saying much considering we haven't 
really gone too far in the WLA, but it was a lot of fun and, and the atmosphere was pretty wild at times. Well, you didn't you didn't play there because you didn't play a lot of b ball in your life uh, <laughs> growing up. Jumbo, so Jumbo, I and I a, both. I played a year of A two, so there was probably uh, a, okay, a couple there of more games in there. There you go. Well, it, no, that was a fun summer though because it felt like. And Jumbo, you got to turn your camera on so we can see each other. Okay, so yeah, stop my, talking to each my, other, man. Yeah. So. Um, what I was gonna say was that like because everybody. On. Everybody was away from lacrosse for so long. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, we can put 500 people in an arena. And like everyone came out and it looked like, okay, like if it felt to me like it was medicine, lacrosse was back, didn't matter what level, didn't matter what, who was on the floor. But I don't know if it felt like that for you guys playing, but that's how, that's how I felt sitting there watching it. Yeah. I think everyone was just really happy to get out there and play again. Uh, not gonna lie, like the first time going in a dress room, it felt weird. Just you know, you haven't had been in a tight space with that many people in a long time, so you know, it kind of felt weird doing it, but it felt awesome to be back. And you know, we, it, was a, it was actually a great group of guys. I, I'd known a lot of the guys that I was playing with, and and uh, but I never really met them personally, so it was fun to play with some of the guys. Here with Robert, are you wearing a vest right now, Challenger? What is that? I see the camera's on, and I you can see what I'm rocking. Yeah, this Tan is a vest. You no, know, it's not. It wasn't cold enough to go full coat in the garage here, so any, I just flew on the old. Uh, it's like a fly fishing vest. You got any fruity beer you're sipping on this evening? No, no, not tonight, not okay. tonight. But but enough senior bee talk with, yeah. with Robert Churchill. Here, so you guys, Saskatchewan Rush are back in the win column and when Jeff McComb went into the press conference after the game first thing out of his mouth was finally um how do you describe that win this weekend against PCLC yeah it felt good um we knew that uh going in it was like an opportunity for us to try and get rolling you know get some confidence going there I mean they're an expansion team but they they've been battling teams well so you know we kind of expected that we were going to go out and play a game and make it tough on them. And, you know, with our defense and their young offense, we knew that they weren't probably going to score too many goals. So, you know, we went out there, we played with pace. We had a few new guys on offense, so we were trying new things. And, you know, I, I think we might've found a little bit of chemistry, but uh, it's tough to say, cause it's just one win. And at the end of the day, we got to keep things rolling and, you know, put a little streak together to get back into the, you know, the playoff mix in the West. Yeah. I, I wanted to take it back to the summer for a second, Robert, because, you know, not everybody had the opportunity to play and it looked like come NLL season, you hit the ground running because you have played and you're on like four hat tricks out of six games. And I think you're on pace for 42 goals, which would you know be right near your career high. You've come out of the gates quite quickly. Do you, do you attribute that to, to getting some reps in at the summer? Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, um, just, just playing and practicing, you know, we got West Hill box and Port Moody that guys have been going out. I've been out with, you know, Dobbs and Ned a few times with Dobie and Pace and a few of those guys, Connor Robinson. So uh, I think that helped then the XLL for sure. Um, you know, that was, that was a lot of fun. It was interesting the cross, you know, just getting up and down the floor and, you know, playing and having a lot of fun was, was good to get in the stick in the hand, you know, trying new things and, you know, getting, just getting prepared. And, and, you know, I, I thought that really helped and, you know, training camp came in. I had not like, even some years with the WLA, you take that, you know, six, seven, eight weeks off before training camp. Don't really touch your stick too much. So definitely thought hit the ground running during training camp. And, you know, we had some really good training camps, which is why our, our start was kind of shocking. I, I definitely don't think anyone saw that coming. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, and I don't know, you mentioned some new pieces on offense and it's taken a little time to get some chemistry going. And I think as much as, 
the new guys coming in, it's kind of been the, the two guys that have gone out in, in Marty and, and Benny, who obviously you're, you know, super com- comfortable and familiar playing with for essentially, you know, the better part of two decades or whatever it is. Like, that's a big change to make. And then to have guys fit into Bub's system, which isn't exactly easy to learn right off the get-go like Lintner has figured it out because he's played in it before but it's taken a couple other guys to to kind of get and when one guy and I'm just rambling here but when one guy breaks down in that offense the whole thing kind of breaks down and it takes time to learn Bub's offense yeah it's it's a pretty complex offense or it just takes kind of all, all three guys buying in or not, not even buying in. Everyone's bought in. It's more just like doing it and making it second nature where you're yeah. not thinking about it when you're out there. Yeah. So, I mean, me, Ben and Marty had been in it for, I guess, five, six, seven years. So, and then even Curtis night before that, it was kind of just, you know, we go out there, we talk to each other quickly on the bench and we, we know exactly what we're going to run. And it's not something that's that easy. So training camp, we, we kind of just knew from the bat, we weren't going to be able to, you know, pick up where we left off. So we're just kind of trying to simplify things and then just, you know, play hard and play with pace. And hopefully that would make it a little tougher on the defenses. But, you know, I don't think our offense has been, you know, that as bad as some of the numbers we're putting up. But I think it's just coming down to, you know, the small things and, and bearing down and, and bearing our opportunities because we're getting lots of looks. Like our shots haven't been too bad. It's just uh, our shooting percentage has been has been pretty low compared to previous seasons where we've had success. So, you know, it's kind of just putting everything together and, you know, I think a lot of it is just confidence and, and playing with confidence and being confident in each other. So, you know, I think yeah, last week was a, a start to that and hopefully we can keep it rolling moving forward. When you talk about McCombs and, and Derek Keenan beforehand, but the structure of the team and how it is a complex offense and, and guys fitting in, when we talk about that, does that mean it's like a lot of set plays structurally and it's less freestyling out there? You mentioned going to the bench and say, this is what we're going to do. Um, you know, is it just, is, is it that, is it just more a set play designed offense than it is, than it is freestyle lacrosse for you guys? And that's why it's difficult for guys to, to plug and play in that. O. yeah, I guess for us previous years, it kind of, I guess it is kind of set plays, but it wasn't really cause there's options off of everything. Yeah. Like we didn't have to talk about it really. Like we didn't have to draw it up and, and, you know, draw the X's and O's. It was kind of just like. We're running this. Yeah, it's, it's everything. Every time we pretty much go on the floor, at least for the right side, it was we were running a set play pretty much. And this year we're, you know, obviously we've been running that offense for all these years. We've had success, but it is getting kind of predictable with teams, you know, like we've been running it. Teams are figuring out how to stop it. So, you know, we're trying to be a little more creative and and do our own thing and, you know, have a little more freelance in there. And I think that's, you know, going to take some time, but I think we're, we're getting there. Well, it, it got to a point that, other teams started trying it like this is what works and you saw started seeing set plays and offenses that were straight out of the playbook and i think a lot of teams they kind of figured out how to play that too as they you know it's sort of a copycat league sometimes on on both ends of the floor but i think you see are the other teams trying some stuff and it's now it's like some of these d's and some of these defenders might have seen or practiced this and might have caught on a little bit is there something to that yeah for sure i mean you're right. It's a, it's a copycat league. Uh, Big time. Like you, you see every team running our, like the set plays we've been running for eight years. I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if Bob's created it all or, or what, but uh, we just, if we were just happened to run it really well with our, our righties and had great chemistry, but you know, they're good plays. They work and you know, I don't blame others. Why wouldn't another team take it? So like I said, just, you know, 
we're all good lacrosse players in our offense. So we have the capability to freelance and, you know, be more creative and, and kind of step away from the, the old playbook. So I think we're just kind of starting to figure that yeah, out. Finding and, your way a little bit. Better, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and listen, mention Bubs here because obviously he's a guy that you've had as your OC for, for a long, long time, but now steps into to the middle of the bench and, and Jimmy, again, who has been around the franchise, but as a defensive coach, now the offensive coach. And then Derek, who has been around no longer on the bench, but still there with the franchise. That's a lot of, I know it's the same, but it's different. Walk me through how that transformation has been with Bubs moving over and Jimmy coming up front and Derek uh, up in the press box. Yeah, it's definitely a little different. You know, Derek's what, the winningest coach of all time in the NLL? one of the greatest to coach the game. So, you know, losing his presence is, has been, I don't know. I think, I don't think it's been an, I don't know if the word is issue, but you know, it's, it's definitely weird when I'll pretty much our whole course had him for the last eight years in the NLL. So, you know, it's good that we didn't, it's not a new guy stepped in. We're familiar with Bubs, you know, Bubs is great. He's, he's, he's a great lacrosse mind. Um, I think it's a bit of an adjustment for him too, you know, being the number two guy for so many years, but he's doing a great job. Yeah, it's just it's just different, but I think we're we're all we're all enjoying it. We're buying in. Jimmy's awesome. I mean, you guys know Jimmy. The yeah. energy he brings is is unbelievable. Second so, and none. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So, yeah, I mean, I got a great relationship oh, sure. with Jimmy. So even when Jimmy wasn't around, he was kind of still you yeah. know always in yeah. touch with us and yeah. watching the games and you know giving us his inputs and stuff. So, yeah, just the the, the dynamic of our coach staff is great. Yeah, everyone gets along really well and. uh you know, I think I think we're gonna keep even Jer uh, looking pretty good back there on the on the back end. He's he's trimmed right down. Yeah, for sure. Tlevi's yeah, Tlevi's one of the best too. He's uh he's a character. One of the funniest guys you're at. Like I don't know how many people really know Jeremy Tlevi, but once you get to know that guy, he has just got some gold in that mouth. Of his. Oh yeah, I didn't know Jeremy before a couple years ago, but yeah, he just one liner after one liner. He's uh, the hilarious guy to have around. Talk about. The the righty you had working with you on uh, on Saturday night there in, in Big Mike Messenger, Churchy. Like, this is a guy who's done absolutely everything on the lacrosse floor for the rush this season. He gets some reps out of the O-gate and just setting hard pick after hard pick. And I said in the first segment, you could have driven a Jeep around in that righty side of the floor. Like, the guy was just creating space. How nice was it to have number eight crashing and banging for you? Yeah, Mike's, Mike's great. He's having a heck of a year. Um you know, he's been doing on the DN face-offs, transition, loose balls, everything. He, he, he literally does it all. But, uh, yeah, Courier went on the COVID list. So, Messenger, you know, the guy that can do it all, we had no issue with him stepping in. Yeah, he, he moves bodies. I think there was one. He's just like, I'm going to seal my guy in. He's like, you go underneath. And I'm like, okay. And then I, I think I went underneath, and there's just a direct breakaway to the net from, like, the – 20 feet out in. And I was like, Oh, I'm not, uh, it's not like you're saying no to mess. I could get used to that. Yeah, you're not gonna he say just no. makes it look easy. He's so strong and you know, guys aren't moving him. So it's, crazy. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is moving forward, but, uh, it's nice to know that a guy like him who can dominate on the DN can come up and just have big of an impact on offense. And what about Austin Murphy, Robert, who's been kind of waiting in the wings and every time he's gotten into the lineup, he's produced, you know, not a ton, but has definitely chipped in and, and got a luck there last weekend. And again, like put up a, a few, points is it time for austin murphy to start getting a regular rotation in this offense yeah i think uh you know murph's been he had a good training camp uh ended up on the practice roster but he's been practicing hard he's been grinding with us you know he's a 
he's a he's a little guy, but he's really tenacious. He works hard, he grinds, he sets hard picks, and he gets you open actually. But yeah, no, uh, yeah, I think I don't know. I guess it's not up to me, but uh, I think Murph played really well, and I think it's nice to know that we got depth. And if if guys have to step in, they can do it, and they they're more than capable. Another guy that that's been around long enough where he knows that offense inside and out as well as we speak with Robert Church of the Saskatchewan Rush here, and a guy that. Well, there's a couple guys over there on that Panther City team and, and Hossack and but more so in Jeremy Thompson who made his return to Saskatoon and, and I mentioned Jer always gets the biggest cheer or used to get the biggest cheer when player introductions were happening at Sastel. I know he was super excited to to get back and, and play in Saskatchewan again. How good was it to to see Jeremy and, and you know, battle against him instead of with him? Yeah, Jeremy's one of those guys that uh yeah, even back in Edmonton, he got the loudest, loudest cheer. He's, he's so great to the fans and the community. Uh, yeah, Jeremy was a great teammate for for a long time. We had a lot of success with him. I mean, it, it kind of sucked to see him go, but yeah, he's it was great to see him. You know, gave him a big hug when we saw him, and you know, he was out there doing his old thing, he's winning <laughs> faceoffs. He's he's splitting two, three guys. He's getting shots off. I think he he scored a goal, right? I, I you know what there was. There was a little bit of streaming issues on. He Saturday got one night. call. He got one called back. I don't know if he got. Yeah, one Yeah, it was that. okay. That's the one. I thought I. Yeah, it shows how much I remember. But yeah, yeah it got. Yeah, I, I was I on defense doing, and blurry, he caught it around blurry. me. And then <laughs> Bob threw the random the challenge flag out of nowhere, and everyone's like, "What are you throwing the challenge flag for?" Kind of like, and then see the replay. Guy's foot's in the crease. One of those things that you know, trust the coach because uh, he sees all. Yeah, one of those plays where, you know, it's, it's, I was thinking about this after that or during that game is that, you know, a guy on the other side of the crease not affecting or impeding the goaltender at all just happened to have a toe on that far side. And it's like, you know, to me as a, as a, as a spectator and a broadcaster, it's like, well, if you're not inhibiting the play in any way, why can't that foot be there? But that opens up a real gray area because if that foot's in there, then <laughs> where, where, when will it not be in there? Right. Yeah, and so you can't, you can't draw that up. One of those things where I I have no problem with it last game, but I'm sure there's been times in the in my career in the NLL where there's been someone tiptoeing on the crease and it goes and disallowed, and you hate it then. But I'll take it last. Totally. Time. The one that exactly. gets me is the guy that's like in the back of the crease or ran through that. Like the yeah. one that just has yeah. No that's kind of what this one was. Yeah. Like yeah, the reestablished exactly. one. I don't really get that. Yeah, there's there's a little yeah. great. The, the camera sure. angles aren't quite there to. You well, yeah, right. some arenas there are, and then some arenas there's not. And I think the overhead has got to be the most important. Like, every arena has got to have an well, overhead shot. Panther City challenged uh, our goal at the end of the, I think it was the first quarter, for the time running out. But they did the replay, and they're like, there's just no angle to show the time and the play at the same time, so it stands. Yeah, yeah, that one was it's a weird like one. That. I thought, like, do you get your – like you should have got a flag back for they should have got a flag back for that. It's like no, we couldn't even challenge that. Sorry, extra flag. arena issues like <laughs> that. Gotta, we'll take a time out from you. Sorry, because you can't have that in the fourth quarter of a championship game or something. No, yeah. no, absolutely yeah. no, not. And maybe maybe they'll clean that up going forward. Um, Churchy, we just had Josh Byrne on before you, guy that you played with, and we talked a lot about Swamp the bites, bandits yeah. and the and the culture <laughs> and you know like the bandits are known as and the personalities that they have. They're kind of like this. I'm going to call them, they're, they're, they're confident and pretty cocky and flashy lacrosse team, right? They, they love their celebrations. And I always thought the Calgary Roughnecks were like that for years with Dixon and Dobie and 
even when shots, when he was in Calgary, climbing the boards. And I just feel like the rush and you guys just kind of, even when you're winning championships, just always kind of went about your business. Workman-like, and Workman-like. Very, very workman-like. And it wasn't the huge celebrations, except for shots with the cigar later on. But like, <laughs> you know, it was a very classy, quiet bunch, seemingly, um, you know, from, from, I know it was different inside the room, but is that, was that just, is that the way that you guys sort of all come about naturally personality wise, or is that emulating Derek Keenan and the culture of the rush, the way that you guys are so poised and, you know, sort of quietly confident? Yeah, I think it's, it probably definitely comes from Keenan. He's kind of that guy, quiet, confident, like kind of just his presence alone is enough to, you know, get you paying attention and listening. So I think that's the main thing, just the guys in the room. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those big believers where I don't like to, you know, say too much or show know, up get, the other give, team or yeah. Give, don't, don't give any bulletin board material or give them a reason to like you. you and know, like all the whole group was kind of like that, Robert, like Marty, Benny, Mark, like yeah. Mark, you got to check his pulse sometimes after he scores a goal. Like he could care less. Even just, I don't know if it's us being a little older, like we're kind of before the whole, I don't know, like we're, we're on social media, but we're not big. Like, yeah, you know, like posting hype videos and all that, but Buffalo, no good. All to them. If, you know, they're, they're out there, they're having fun. They're making unreal plays. I mean, if you're winning, you can do what you want. Right. And, and that's what they're doing. And, you know, Josh and Dane are unbelievable lacrosse players and, you know, they're fun to watch. Like if I'm going to watch the lacrosse game, I'd probably want to see that all go to work. Cause yeah. I mean, I played with Josh and Burnaby. I, I wish it would have been more, but just with him moving the East coast and where he got yeah. drafted, we didn't get too much time together, but uh, yeah, I loved every minute playing with him and he was an awesome player and he's actually, he's an awesome guy too. How, yeah, like I know there's just not enough space, but you got to figure that guy's putting on the red and white before it's all said and done there in, in Josh Byrne. Um, week off for the rush this weekend, and, and you guys have kind of been on, off, on, off, um, but steady stream of games coming up, and, and the next one will be right here in, in, in your hometown, uh, our hometown of Vancouver, taking on the Warriors for the second time. And the first one was was a pretty good match up there i think a one goal game if i'm not mistaken 10-9 you get extra excited coming back to vancouver to play games for sure i mean you don't get uh too many opportunities to play in front of your friends and family in this league so you know it's 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 really fun you know you get a few people out and yeah i, I definitely love and get a little extra motivated uh vancouver is it's definitely a you know a team that is rejuvenating they look good this year i mean they gave us a good run for our money. The first game, you know, their defense is good. Their goaltending is good. So, I mean, they're going to be in every game, you know, maybe not like previous year. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough opponent. Can can I tamper here and and just ask you, like, do you ever see yourself near the, you know, maybe a little longer in your career coming home and and putting on a Warriors Jersey one day? I don't see myself playing for anyone with the rush, honestly. So, okay. Fair enough. Still, still, I don't know. I guess I feel older, but I guess the way keep adding teams in this league is a never say never. Never Yeah. There's a little more uh, time for playing. We're back when there was eight, nine teams, you know, guys were kind of out of the league in their early thirties. So it's nice that there's more spots for people to play and continue it. What's the new ownership like there in Sask? I mean, I never had a chance to meet the Priestners before I, I, defected but uh what what's has there been any difference there or is it just kind of they turn the keys over to keenan and it's status quo yeah they've been awesome yeah i guess the things are you know bruce was great to us and these guys have been great too it's you know kind of just business as usual no shortage of anything they're not worried about saving money or cutting corners on stuff so they're first class and 
kind of whatever we needed. They've been more than uh, more than willing to provide it to us. Do you good, Bradley? Yeah, good. I was going to say good luck the rest of the way. George, thanks for doing this, man. Spending time with us and enjoy your week off. Congrats on getting back in the win column, and uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for coming on uh, right there, Robert Church, Saskatchewan Rush, and yeah, I've, Brad, I've watched this guy play lacrosse for a long time. I don't, I don't want to call him a kid. He's not a kid anymore, but like again, just like Josh Byrne, you could tell that this guy was going places real early on in his junior career, and, and the success has never stopped. Yeah, in- intermediate, actually. I think when I first year that I started broadcasting lacrosse games, he was still intermediate, and I did the odd intermediate A game back then. Of course, there is no more intermediate in lacrosse, and this kid would have been a, a five-year junior A player had that system been around back then. But, yeah, he was the best player on the intermediate A team and then was really the guy that they built around on their way to 2010. Like, he was the best player on that team. They brought Mark Matthews over, um, but, like, to build that 2010 run, it was him and Dinsdale and Benny and – and Reinhold and all those guys Cornwall. in the back end, <laughs> Cornwall brothers. And like, it, it just an insane <laughs> list, but I do think it sort of started with, it was his group and you know, it was him, it was him, Benny and Marty as those three righties and the D behind them, but it was well, kind of built around Robert church and like, it, that was, it was not real. He was, he was one of the best junior lacrosse players in Canada. And then a number four overall draft pick and Five, has what 700 yeah. points. Now the national lacrosse league and just, Un- unreal stuff from Robert Church. He's had success everywhere he's gone. And I want, I didn't, I was thinking about this this afternoon. Like, has he ever been on a, on a one in four team before? Like, if you think about all the years with the rush, yeah, wow. all his years with the junior Adnax, he probably, I don't know how, how Lakers, Drexel did maybe. when he was there, but yeah. one in four would be super unfamiliar territory for Robert Church. And one of the good guys of the sport of lacrosse, we've, I've been rooting for him since he was, you know, 16, 17. So glad that he's, got three rings and continuing to do damage he kept on referring to himself as kind of like an old guy and if robert church thinks he's old that's uh that's getting a little scary but like you said there's a lot lot, lot left in the tank yeah. for 30 year olds in the national lacrosse league quick funny i think i've told this before but i'll tell again robert church story and and this was well his draft year i want to say it was 2012 and this was when i was working with the swarm and, and doing some scouting so john had a lot of picks that year and as he seems to ever your first round picks. So we lined up guys like Riley Lowen and Jordan McBride and Robert Church, and we were talking with all these guys. So we were having a lunch or a dinner or whatever it was with Robert Church. And, and you know, like I was I was selling Robert Church to John Arlotta, like this kid, you do not want to pass on this kid. Like he is a natural, like, and we've mentioned, like he makes scoring goals look easy. And guys that can do that are special. And so I said, you know, like, I'm selling it to John. Trust me, I've watched this kid. I know this kid. So we're sitting there having lunch, and John says, uh, Robert, what do you, you know, what do you like to do in, in your spare time? Uh, do, you, do you like working out? <laughs> Robert says, uh, you know, I like hanging out with my friends and playing video games. Not not really a big gym guy. I don't, I don't really work out all that much, uh, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> straight up told John, no, I don't, I don't. Uh, and that's why he slipped to, uh, yeah, why he slipped to the rush. Yeah, you say, didn't, if you didn't just take him because of it. And swarm, I was like, swarm yeah. dynasty could have had yeah. a different, uh, different direction. Just saying. That's, yeah. Just that's, saying. Didn't that's, wear, that's, and that's I like, I mean, he's gotten a lot better at that, but he was never, you know, one of those kind of rock hard, ripped kind of, 
but man, can he play the game? Can he? I remember as we as we wax nostalgic here. I think it was two thousand eight or nine. He broke his leg, and so he had that rookie of the year season right. in junior MVP. And then he broke his leg. And I remember his, his dad, Bruce, is really kind to me back then as I was starting Great to broadcast. Guy. And yeah. he uh, he gave me the scoop. I remember he, Brucey emailed me saying, hey, Robert broke his leg. He's out for probably the whole year. Like, <laughs> gave, do with that do with that tip. what you will. And I was I was writing for IL Indoor at the time. So, you know, reached out to Paul Tutka. Hey, I got this scoop. And he let me run with the story. And, you know, at the time it was like the best junior lacrosse player in Canada. I was me missing <laughs> a year. And what, what would, what would happen? Right. And, you know, came back in the mental cup and the rest is the rest is history. No doubt. Great chat there with Robbie church. Uh, we got one more quarter to come. Evan Sheminar will join us here momentarily for the fourth quarter. Who you got? Black's class locks are next year on EP 169. We're back after this. Hey, this is Ryan Diltz on the Saskatchewan Rush. You're listening to Lacrosse Classified, throwing the game one podcast at a time. And now it's time for Who You Got. Fourth quarter, no more breaks here on the podcast. I probably should have <clears throat> cleared my throat before I hit record. Too late now. Uh, Jay Kelly, Brad Schellner, and now joined by one Evan Schemenauer back on the podcast. Evan, welcome back to Lax Class. Uh, how are things going in? The blizzardy Saskatoon right now. Well, I, I think there's at least a sigh of relief with what happened Saturday night. You know, it's mm. straight to the rush it, talk. Hey, Evan, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, work-wise, it's just my crazy time of year. So focused on that. You know, uh, the big celebration there Sunday with the big win over the U.S. and the World Cup qualifier. Yeah, great Maybe even a bigger celebration on Wednesday because that'll put us in. What, two in. points out of qualifying at that yeah. stage. Yeah, if we win that, we're in. I think we're in, regardless. I'm, I'm, I'm hedging that we are in. Anyways, not about soccer. Uh, we got lots to talk about here in the fourth quarter, and I think we should just get into it. So it's time for Who You Got? It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Who you got? Who you got? Presented by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. I think we've done pretty well with all my and uh, promos and stuff this this episode. I don't think I've forgotten anybody so far. Did you know that Stampede Tack and Western Wear carries a wide selection of Carhartt hoodies, jackets, t-shirts, overalls. They could make a comeback. Tukes and beanies. Carhartt is both functional and fashionable. Need some gear for your crew at work? Ask them about corporate bulk orders. They even have Carhartt for kids. Be sure to drop by Stampede Tack, located in Cloverdale since 1966, or online at stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. And speaking of local, our big Week 9 winner, I believe, is local to us, Brad. In one, Penticton. Penticton. Yeah, local enough. Or unless Saint he's re- re- relocated. Yeah. yeah, maybe. Dan Chetner is this week's winner, Evan. Break it down for me. Dan Chetner is the king of week nine, which has been our busiest week so far. Yeah, he was the only guy at 7-0. and 
I was took at the Riptide. Yeah. Or, no, no, Riptide, Riptide, no, Riptide, Riptide lost. Oh, yeah, my bad. My, I don't yeah. know what I was the, the odd thing was that if he had lost that one, he, he's the only person at 6-1, and one, but because it was his eighth game, there were two people that had their lost went five and two, but lost their three and two games that would have been in the running for the win. And Anna Bonanza was in there, I think. I can't remember who the other one was, but I think this is what is is kind of messing me up here, guys. Is this confidence number? I think this is why I've fallen so far behind. I'm blaming the the, the whole confidence thing. Can I do that? <laughs> well, should we check the win-loss no, record and see how far you're Let's just to. move along here. Uh, so congrats to Dan Chetner. And uh, another big week on deck here, fellas. And and I've kind of undecided here on what I want to do. Whether I was thinking maybe just go straight coin for, for all the games here because I figure I can't do any worse than, than I'm doing on my own. So maybe just go to the coin for every game. But I'm not sure I want to do that either. That's not good podcasting. You gotta, you gotta put, you gotta put <laughs> something right. on the line there, Jumbo. There's, there'll be no coin Easy flipping. Talk there coming no from the hitting the, the randomizer on OfficePools.com. Right. Can't do it. Okay. There's a couple games though where, that are coin worthy this week. There might there be. are a few. But Evan, I think you did the best out of the three of us in week nine. Still have never won a week of who you got, but uh, did the best. Fourth out of place the, this week, yeah. Fourth place is not first place, but uh, you get to host who you got this week, I believe. Yes, I do. Okay, pulling up the schedule here now. This what? is I love this. I wish the NLL did more of this. So, schedule makers, please do this. This home and home. Game one is down in Gwyneth County, Albany, Georgia. Jake Elliott, who we got? I'm going Georgia in this one. I I know Albany's on a bit of a heater right now, but I think this is going to be a desperate Georgia team. I've been riding them the last couple of weeks. I'm going to stay on that horse and take the Georgia Swarm at home, but for two. That's my two game. Brad Chalner, who you got? You guys, I think we should combine this home and home as sort of as one. So, Jumbo, why don't you go circle back? Okay. Give me what happens in the Friday night game between Albany and Georgia at Georgia, and then give me what happens back home at MVP Arena Saturday night. MVP Arena, I like that. Uh, Albany, I'm taking the home team once again here. Albany Firewolves to bounce back. So, I think these teams split this weekend and i think both teams that are playing at home win this weekend so give me albany and i'm putting a four beside the firewolves all right brad who you got this time yeah see i'm going i i do think they split but for some reason i have an inkling that the road teams are gonna win so georgia they lose in overtime at home last weekend but friendly confines i'm sure some of the guys hung around market for the two weeks um i think they're gonna feel comfortable and want to bounce back on that floor, and then I'm going to say the exact same thing for Albany the very next night. So give me the give me actually no, I'm going back on what I'm just saying. Albany's going to win on the road, and Georgia's going to win on the road. So give me the, but I'm not super confident, right? So Albany's a three, and Georgia's uh, a two the next night in Saturday. But I think that's how it's going to go. They're going to split, but the road teams are going to win. I may be more confident than you guys are on this one. Um, Albany is just on fire lately. Dougie Jamison's playing lights out. That defense is playing lights out. And I think they can tame Lyle. I think they can tame the Swarm. 
The only concern I might have is in the second game, do you use both goaltenders or do you use one? What one. do you think on that? One goaltender. It's not right. hockey. All and right. It's not 80 games a season here. We're talking an 18 game schedule. You play your starter. All right. And two of the two two of the best two. Like you're talking Dougie Jameson and and Mike Poulin. If we were talking if this was a Panther City versus not to throw anybody under the bus, maybe a Rochester and New York game, you might see different goaltenders, but when you got starter studs like that, I don't think a back to back's gonna hurt. But Albany twice in a row is pretty bold there, Evan. You're yeah. gonna be starting off on I'm a, going Albany on a twice in a row on the road for a five and at home for a six so tough to beat a team like we haven't seen this so you know we don't really have history to show us but i just think in this league we look at you know best of three playoff series and stuff it's so tough to beat the same opponent two weeks in a row leave him alone all right well but you know what if i pull it off i just caught up a little bit more you're a genius (laughs) all right the other friday night game this is the neutral site game now one five riptide headed to the hammer for Halifax three and one as much as it's not a home game it's a place that the Thunderbirds have been playing is where they've been training for the last while. Yeah. Jake Elliott, who you got yeah, six nations right there. And, and a lot, uh, a lot of connections. I'm going, man, I, I'm going Halifax here, but I think this is going to be a pretty close game. Like, I don't think, Halifax going to run away with this thing. And who knows? I could prove to be wrong, but I'm going Halifax five. Brad Chalner, who you got? Roll Tide, baby. Oh. Warning issued. <laughs> They're just. I don't know why I laugh. You're like in first place. So I don't know why I'm like laughing and questioning <laughs> your calls right now. I don't, like, I have no idea why I'm doing that, but I am. So. They, Take that for what you know, it, because this is neutral site, I think changes this a little bit for me. There's a lot of, you know, let's, let's, let's be real here. I'm, what percentage of the riptide live in Southwestern Ontario, 95, 90% of the team. Um, it's going to be, it's a home game for both these two teams. Essentially the riptide just showed so much potency against the Buffalo bandits and that offense. And if they score 13, goals in this game they probably win this lacrosse game and i think that's doable with them so give me the tide with a five. Ooh, Ooh I, this is one of these games where i think halifax has a massive bounce back i think they play pissed off i, I think you take a look at cody james and you think he's going to appreciate what happened last game no way i think he'll fill the net this one i'm pretty confident give me the thunderbirds for a seven okay all right, you guys want to laugh it off, but you take a look at the cool bet odds. I'm not far off. Okay. Here. You know, Halifax at a minus 320. You make so. me feel better. I took the Thunderbirds, so keep going here. Yeah. All right, Saturday night, Philadelphia at home for the, what, 15th time this season already? <laughs> <laughs> three and three, Toronto Rock went off a big win against Rochester. Five and three, Philadelphia Wings off a comeback against Georgia. Jake Elliott, who you got? This uh, this is a tough one for me here. This is a really tough one for me here. I am taking Philadelphia. I I want Toronto to win for whatever reason. I'm not sure what that reason is. I want Toronto to win, but I'm taking Philadelphia here for a three. It's because you got Jamie Dawick and your favorites under your, your uh, phone. I don't know uh, if that's the reason, but I just 
I don't know. Like, I'm still not sold on Philadelphia, but there they are at 5-3. and three. They're playing at home, and they've done a lot of that, and they win these one-goal games and overtimes, and I, I don't know. I'm putting my money on Philadelphia, but I'm putting a three beside them. So there. Yeah, right. I'm taking the wings, too. Like, I feel you. Like, the Rock, to me, deserved to be in a playoff spot, and they're kind of not right now. Um, so I think the Toronto Rock are better than their record indicates, but I do think that Philadelphia – they're going to be on the road basically the rest of the year. So they need to rack up some home wins while they can, because their schedule is going to get a lot tougher from here on out. Give me the wings with a four. Yeah. And if you look at cool bet on this one, it's what is it? It's minus minus one sixteen on the rock. It's a minus one Oh five on Philly. Mm. It's pretty much a pick em. The way I look at it, Philly has had to fight to get wins lately. Toronto keep in mind, once again, Three losses are against Halifax and Buffalo. So outside of that, they've been performing well. Give me the Toronto Rock for a three. Ah, great. Then down to Bandit Land, the battle with the was the I-90 that goes through That's there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I-90. Rochester two and four, struggling lately, coming up against the five and zero Buffalo Bandits. Jake Elliott, do you not got? picking against the Bandits until they lose, and even then, I might not pick against the Bandits. Give me Buffalo for an eight. Uh, a little karma bump there with Burn on the show this week as well. Buffalo's not losing this game, and I think they win it in convincing fashion. I'm sorry, Rochester, but Buffalo is really, really good. I'm right there. I'm right there with you. This is my eight game. Cool bet. I think has this at minus uh, 2.5 for Buffalo like that. Well, we can talk about that in a second, but that could be pretty good money. That could be, that could be a three goal victory. No problem for the Buffalo Bandits. There might be some cash there. Bandits with an eight. Yeah. Bandits are a minus three Oh three on the, on the money line. So yeah, we're all in agreement here. It's Buffalo for an eight. Uh, You know, even with the struggles they had against the riptide there, I still think they get through it. All right. Saturday night, 9 p.m. Or Saskatchewan time. Anyways, or sorry, it's Eastern time. So one and three Calgary going into Colorado, four and one. Jake Elliott, who you got? I got Colorado here uh, for a six. And I just, I don't know. The more I watch Colorado, the more I'm kind of believing in, in the mammoth. And Calgary just hasn't shown me yet i know they got that victory over saskatchewan when they weren't playing their best lacrosse they've had this long break they haven't got themselves into a rhythm i think the roughnecks are going to win some games this year i just don't see it this weekend against a four and one mammoth team so give me the woolies for a six brad challenger who you got it's another tough road trip for the calgary roughnecks i kind of agree with everything you're just saying there Jumbo, which, uh, you know, happens from time to time, but not all the time. I think they're going to have to make their hay later in this season, but they've got, they've had some tough road games to start this year. They've missed their two home games. I think those could have been better uh, looking for the Calgary Roughnecks standings had they played those home games, but Mammoth just have all three, four aspects of the game dialed right now. I think this is Mammoth uh, victory with a six, boys. Yeah, oddly enough, on cool that this is a very close matchup. Was it Colorado's minus one thirty-five and Calgary's plus one ten? Little history, um, history probably. Right? It's yeah, the history. history. That's exactly what it is. Fourth for years. Yeah. And Calgary has upset them in the playoffs. I don't know how many times. Ask John uh, Grant Jr. He'll tell you. Yeah. He knows. Uh, anyways, great goaltending battle potential, but 
you know, if you look at how Dylan Ward played last game, now do you expect another performance like that? Probably not. But even if he's three quarters as good as he was last game, Colorado takes this. Because of that history, though, I'm not as confident. I'm going Colorado with a four. four. And now the TSN game of the week, Panther City, one and five, going to Vancouver, two and three. Jake Elliott, who you got? I think you know who I got with two T's, Evan. I'm taking Vancouver here. They need to get back in the win column. They need to win games on their home floor. They need to be teams like Panther City. And it's time to put up or shut up here for the Vancouver Warriors. On their home floor, Saturday night, TSN, all the rest of it. Give me the Warriors for a seven. Brad Chandler, who you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you again, Jumbo. Warriors with a seven as well. Unfortunately for Panther City, it, they're going to be in games that are like Sask last weekend in Vancouver this week. This is a chance for teams to to sort of punch down and, and get themselves right against an expansion team that that's been struggling the last couple of weeks and haven't been able to find a way to, to finish it off and, you know, have get all aspects of the game come together. I think Vancouver is going to be, might be looking at, at Mitch Jones, probably definitely looking at Logan Shaw. So the boys are coming back and I think they bounce back at home. Yeah, this one's a little tr- tougher for me. And the reason I say it's a little tougher is, is the health status of Mitch Jones and Logan Shaw. If those two were 100% ready to go, I give Vancouver a heavy confidence in this one. I still got the Warriors. This is my two game. Now, based on what that injury report happens later in the week, I might change that. But for right now, it's just a two with the Warriors. A little bit insulting, I would say, Evan, but okay. Uh, There you have it. Who you got? Week ten. week 10. I cannot believe we are in week 10 already in the National Cross League. Insane. Uh, who you got's done? Time for Lax Class Locks. It's locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Well, unfortunately, no money sound drop there from this past weekend's action. Uh, neither of us, none of us cashed in on our parlays. But because Evan and I both won on the same week, couple weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, you haven't got your chance to get your boosted parlay odds, which we are going to do this week, courtesy of the good people at CoolBet Canada, CoolBet.com. If you haven't done this yet, this is the perfect time. As soon as you're done listening to this podcast, hop on CoolBet.com, top left corner, bonus code LAXCLASS. Asking me why you would put in the bonus code LAXCLASS? Simple answer, you're going to get free money by doing it. Up to $200 on first-time deposit, they will match you. Put in $100, you get $100. Put in $50, you get $50. Up to $200. Terms and conditions apply. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. Evan, uh, since you got the big boosted parlay this week, I suppose we'll let you go first. Yeah, you know, one thing I was just going to mention, too, just uh, a Shout out to Cool Bet. One of the things they do from time to time is this free bet mm. where you bet on one game, 
regardless if you win or lose, you get a free bet on a future game. And like this week, it was Canadian soccer, but they've switch it around from time to time okay so i i put a 25 buck bet down on the game wednesday night i get a free 15 this week and i could actually be ahead about what 80 90 bucks so it's actually not bad all right all right so where do you find that just so everybody knows uh right on the home page there somewhere right on the home page sometimes they'll advertise it sometimes it's in the promos on the top okay but yeah they the uh they flash around quite a bit. And you can find the boosted parlays, not under the boosted odds, but if you scroll down to the bottom there, you'll see boosted parlay odds. So those are two different things, just so you know. That's yeah. where you find the last class boosted parlay. So here's your boosted odds for the week. and Here's your see, boosted are... odds, Evan. My not, boosted not... odds, yes. Yes, they are. So... Uh, first up, we are looking at the Toronto Philadelphia game. Toronto is a slight underdog. I'm picking the rock to win on this one. So it's the money line at minus 116. Second game up, Colorado, Calgary. We all took Colorado and it's a minus 135, that historical factor, but I think that pays a little better than what it should. So we're going to take that. The third one, and keep in mind, there's going to be injury issues with Vancouver. Both teams combined for a total of 11 goals last week. So the over-under on this one is 21 and a half. I'm taking the under on this one. I think the goaltenders keep everybody at bay. So on normal terms, that is a plus 519, but... Cool bet is boosting that to a plus six hundred, so twenty bucks pays one forty. One forty, not bad. Okay, Brad, uh, you want to go next? I'm about to blow your minds. <laughs> I you swinging for the fence again? I I always swing for the fence. One of these days, it's 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 going to hit, and the jumbo bucks are going to be yeah, going to be flowing in. But true. you know, I've that's already true. picked the riptide and who you got. They're plus two. <laughs> 50. Here we go. So, you know, even if you put 10 bucks on the Riptide, like just on a money line, you're, you're walking away feeling pretty good if they win that game. And it's, you know, it's not much to to lay down with the, with, with those odds, right? Like, I'd, I'd like to swing for the fences on that one. So my parlay, though, is going to be Riptide over the Thunderbirds at plus 250, plus Mammoth over the Roughnecks at minus 135. And then take the under in the Vancouver Panther City game, as I think this one's going to be a low-scoring slugfest. It's set at twenty-one and a half at minus one ten. Add those three up; the odds are plus one thousand and sixty-three, <laughs> with a potential return of two hundred and thirty-two dollars oh and sixty-three cents on a twenty-dollar bet. Like, how could you not try to turn that into something? Water into wine, well, right there. And you know, if you if you're not as confident in the riptide, there's a two and a half goal handicap there at minus one oh four, which will still pay you about 140 bucks on that same parlay. Yeah. Wow. He's made his he's made his uh wager. Mm-hmm. It's it's done. Okay, my three game parlay here. A little similar, but a little different as well. I'm going Georgia plus one point five at minus one thirty five to beat well, not to beat. But plus 1.5, so they can lose by one. At home against Albany, and I'm taking Georgia and who you got. So I think they're going to win that game outright. 
Give me Buffalo at minus 2.5. So they get a win by three over the Nighthawks. I think they do that at minus 110. And then you guys both picked the under in the Panther City-Vancouver game. I'm picking the over. I think the offense for Vancouver breaks out in this game. For whatever reason, and I think Panthers is going to score a little bit as well. So give me the over at 21.5 at minus 110. You add that up, you get plus 534. 20 jumbo bucks will get you a return of 126.89. All three favorites here. So a little more conservative, but uh, time to get back in the win column. Listen to your friend Jumbo. And when you win, praise me royally. And if you lose, well, that's your problem, not mine. There are our Cool Bet Canada Lax Class Locks for Week 10. Good luck to all. And uh, I think that's going to wrap up another episode, which was an absolute honker of an episode here. I don't even know where we're at right now. But I want to thank Robert Church and Josh Byrne for stopping by the podcast. I want to thank our fabulous sponsors in Stampede Tack, the Vancouver Warriors. College night's coming up. I saw the boys out there at UBC handing out tickets. Love to see it. Associate Labels and Packaging, Rycor Construction, Coolback Canada, all for supporting the podcast. Make sure you're supporting our sponsors. That's how you keep this podcast going. And the other thing you can do is subscribe and send down a review. Five stars only, please. Review, subscribe, uh, and follow us on social media as well at Shemlax, at Bradshaw, at PXB for Sports, and at Lax Class is how you can find us. Thanks for listening to EP 169. We'll be back with EP 170 next week, right here on the home of Lax Class, Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. For Evan Sheminauer and Brad Chellner, I've been Jay Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy and stay classified.